Warning. The episode of Warcity's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of AJ Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show is called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. To our series Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Orsini. How the hell is everybody out there? This is your boy, your main man. So, brother, from another mother, this is your host of our series Uncensored Mind. I am AJ Orsini, and uh, how in the hell did we wind up here? Three years. This is the three-year anniversary show. What the fuck have I been doing for three years? This is, my wife said it earlier. It hasn't felt like three years. I felt like you just started yesterday, but I, I have been doing this for three years now on a weekly basis. I've only missed one week uh, due to an illness, but other than that, pretty consecutive. And there was one week where I did three episodes in the same week, so... I'm covered. I've actually done a lot more than uh, I thought I was going to do with all this. I'm already feeling the love. Happy anniversary. Thank you guys so much. There's so many people who are in the chat who I've been doing this damn thing for a while now, man. And I'm super excited, super happy to be here today, to be experiencing this with you guys today. I have some plans. I'm going to try to make this as dope a show as I possibly can. But I wanted to start off the program letting you guys know that from here on out, uh, I will not be doing this alone. I will not be taking this journey. Uh, See, this is why I didn't want to use this, because it covers up most of my face here. But it sounds sexy, so that's good. Uh, uh, I've had many guests on this show. Uh, Matt Awesome is in the chat right now saying he was honored to be a guest. He was on one of the roundtables, and I'm trying to get him back uh, because he was fantastic as a guest. Absolutely fantastic. There's been so many people uh, who have been a part of this show, who's made this show great. Uh, This is technically episode 160, so it's beautiful that this 30 anniversary lands on such an even number. It's fantastic. Uh, But I won't be taking this journey alone any further. Uh, I've dragged this cart on my back for as long as I can. But let's be honest, folks, Orsini's at his best when he's battling, when he's in the trenches, when he's going back and forth with individuals, which is why I think the lives are so great because I get so much great feedback from you guys, whether we agree or disagree, and we're able to go back and forth and just talk wrestling and and, and, and hash all this shit out. So um, did you say something about a co-host? Yes, so, so that's where we're heading with this. Uh, I am no longer the sole host of this show. We do now... Uh, Moving forward, have a full-time co-host of the show. Um, For those of you who have heard my individual shows and have complimented me, thank you. But I really feel like I'm stronger with another voice against me. I think it shows in the episodes, the roundtables, the interviews. The energy level is just different. So, And I want to maintain that energy level throughout every show. I want every show to have 
that vibe and 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 that uh, that steam to it. So uh, I put out a little status a little while ago about wanting to do something with a co-host, and of course, a lot of people reached out, and I thank all of you for doing that. And I think at one point in time, most of you were generally considered. Um, a lot of you have some great pitches. Hey, bro, we've got great chemistry. Um, there's a there's a there's always a back and forth between us. It was a lot of people went through a really hard sell for this position, uh, but there was only one day one ish dude that I could uh, pose this question to first. Uh, I thought he would be a little reluctant to do it because he's not big on uh, public speaking and the like, but he's a great dude. I've known him literally his entire life, uh, and that's not hyperbole. I've known him his literal. I was in the waiting room when he was being born. Like, that's how well I know this dude, and he knows me well. So if there's a human being aside from my wife who can push my buttons, it's this fucking guy. So I would like to introduce formally to the show. He's been a guest once before, a long time ago, but you guys are going to be hearing his voice a whole lot more. I'm going to introduce my actual living, breathing brother, Dave, to the show. Dave will now be co-hosting with me moving forward. Turn your camera on, Dave. Let's see if we can get that going. There he is, that big cheese smile on his face. He's ready to start harassing people and curse people out immediately off the gate. What's going on, uh, brother Dave? Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind. Oh, we're here, finally. <laughs> the Brothers O will now be doing the show full-time. Uh, I will be harassing you on your phone all the time now. Yes. Get your shit together and, and, and schedule these fucking programs. Yes. You will now be living the horror that I've been living for approximately three years. I can't wait. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to get for so long back in the wrestling again, on and off. Sometimes. And what a time to do it. Pandemic era. The pandemic era is the perfect time yeah. to get back into pro wrestling. And it's funny because every time I feel like I'm about ready, I come to you and you're just like, nah, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not time yet. So Wait, like, right. I think the last time you saw wrestling up until this uh this week, because when when we agreed to do this, I you were yes. like, well, what do you want to talk about? So I sent you a homework assignment, mm -hmm. a homework packet that we had that you went through and that we have to uh we will yeah, we'll be discussing here on the show. But mm. the last time you told me that you watched wrestling was this year's Money in the Bank. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I've watched a little things here and there before that, before the pandemic. And then with the pandemic, I haven't really had a chance. So got a little bit more downtime. So I'm like, you know, I want to get back into wrestling. So let's let's start watching some stuff. And then uh got it all paid for the network, ready to go, booted it up. You for Two days off. Two days off, so I'm about to really go for it. And then I watched Money in the Bank. <laughs> and you've never been limper. Everything it took the went wind right out of my sails, dude. You didn't I even couldn't. renew. You let you let no. that pay-per-view was so shitty, you let your fucking subscription. No, I, I almost canceled my card just so that I, <laughs> so I had no chance to get my money at all. Just canceled the bank. your credit card company bank. and apologize that you did. Yeah. So we have a lot that we have to get to, obviously. I've sent you uh, everything that we need to go through here for this upcoming event here, three-year anniversary. And I just really quickly, before we really get balls deep into what we really need to talk about, um, I'm going to spend a few minutes real quick. We're going to pay a few bills here right off of the bat. First of all, for those of you who didn't get a chance, because my numbers right now are going really, really well, so I'm sure some of you haven't heard yet, uh, without even trying, I didn't even attempt to do this. I was notified of this. I didn't pursue this. 
Uh, we have a new platform for the show. Major Orsini's Uncensored Mind here uh, will now be able to be heard on Amazon Music. Apparently, Amazon Music is brand new, and they were taking content from different platforms. Podbean has an agreement uh, with Amazon Music. Therefore, in fact, uh, my show is officially now on Amazon Music. So Spotify, iHeart, iTunes, all that stuff you guys heard about before in the past. Uh, I am definitely going to be all over the place for sure now. I, I got to the point now where instead of just naming all of my platforms, I just tell people, Google or see me sense your mind. And like the first 10 links <laughs> that you'll find are all there. I'm all over the place. That is um, the new platform. So I wanted to push that out there right now. If we lose anybody during the course of this feed, uh, that's what, that's another place where you can listen to the show another time. I'm going to be uploading this episode immediately as soon as it's over. And we're going to be able to uh, listen to that in case anybody has missed it. I have behind me the original and the newest merch for the Pro Wrestling Tea Store here at Orsini's Uncensored Mind. Buy the t-shirt. Oh, <laughs> the, blue, the blue one seems to be a new favorite of everyone's. The comic book issue version of Orsini's Uncensored Mind. That microphone uh, looks like it can do some damage. That my, <laughs> The millionaire mic. That was uh, that was some artistic freedom that the uh, animator, the cartoonist, put together for me. That was actually pretty good. Shout out to James. Uh, James, I love saying his name. James Bukakis, who uh, is the artist from both. He did the first logo for me three years ago, uh, before my show started. Literally on the air, I wanted to make sure the presentation was right, so I had everything together. He was the first artist who put that together. He quit drawing because he had another career that he wanted to follow and eventually got back into the hobby of doing it that's when i hit him up again and we got the redo right here the comic book version so shout out to him he's another day one or cd's uncensored mind guy i always go to the same people yeah you take your money to where you trust him that's what i always do and uh, so that one's uh, been selling pretty good so that sale that's been going up for pro wrestling tees you can catch that out we'll talk more about the pro wrestling tea store a little later on in this show and as you can see from the uh, pre-show video as well, the anniversary video we just put together there, uh, I showed a little bit of my youth, uh, showed a little bit of my uh, career beginnings there from the backyard to the ring uh, with some of the biggest stars in the game. Uh, I am very I've never done a video for myself like that before, so it took a while to do because I I hate looking at my own shit. So this particular video took longer than usual for me to put together. Um, and uh, I showed it to my wife, and she was like, Jesus, I didn't know you work with so many people. That is not, first of all, that's not all the clips that I have. I didn't want to make a huge video. So that's not all the clips that I have. And that's not including the videos with people that <laughs> I don't have clips of. Yeah, my wife, yeah. Saw, my wife saw it, and she was like, are those actual wrestlers? Like, <laughs> yes. Those are some uh, real wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. So like my Kevin Steen footage, my Adam Cole footage, like all, I, I've worked with everybody basically in NXT and who has been most of the guys on the main roster at some point in time, they've come through the house of O. So uh, I didn't realize how much I had actually participated in myself. Mm -hmm. I say it on the show all the time that I know what I'm talking about, that I've been there, that I've done that, that I've picked the brains of the best, but to put a video together and actually see who it is that's been teaching me all along the way, it's actually pretty humbling. So there was a lot of people here. There was a nice Asul shout out in the chat here. I think that was Paul Green. Yeah, that was Paul Green. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, so is this going to be the Orsini Bro Show now? I guess you, you can call it whatever you want. Um, Dave said when he came in that he 
doesn't really want me to change the name. So no, 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 you're not going to change the name. That's not going to happen. <laughs> so you guys can call it whatever you want. Uh, but it, it this is going to be Orsini's uncensored mind now until we get some sort of deal going, and then he's going to want his royalties in that, and they will end up changing the name at that point. Uh, <laughs> Just the way it is. Just the way it is. So here we go. Uh, we went through my. Oh, one more thing. The thank you is right. So uh, Matt Awesome in the chat is just one of many individuals. I put up the pictures that I put toward the end there were, were really my interviews, but there's so many other people who were involved with this process with the roundtables. Um, I was able to do a, a, a an all-female roundtable for Evolution when that uh, pay-per-view came out. I was able to do um, some really cool live shows along the way. There was a lot of people that I got a chance to work with that weren't pictured in there. So I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who's ever been a part of this show in any way, shape, or form and helping, helping me put this together. Even if it was to get me, like, the equipment. Because <laughs> I've been through so much equipment through the course of the last three years. It's ridiculous. So thank you to everybody who was a big part of this. Thank you to everybody who has allowed me to continue my career while doing this. Because I got to tell you, in three years, you can say some pretty outlandish shit. And the fact that I haven't been blackballed yet is a blessing. So thank all of you. Uh, for not getting me fired from my actual jobs. And uh, if you haven't fired me yet, tonight might be the episode because I don't have a whole lot of positive things. Um, oh, one positive thing. And I think that's where I'm going to check my notes here. I think that's where we're starting. It is what we're starting. Good. So, good. yeah, let's go ahead and get the positive shit out of the way. <laughs> yes. yes. So, uh, be as negative as possible. Yes. We'll get negative <laughs> towards and, and then we'll leave, we'll leave on a. Uh, <laughs> On a high note, Hippie says that uh, he needs angry scene. You might mm. get, you might get it at, at the end of. I'll do my job well because we're going to do an NXT review of uh, Takeover Thirty One. And again, I don't normally do reviews, but for this particular show, uh, we're going to do something real quick with the matches just to run them down and update you guys, and then we're going to get knee deep into that main event. And that Hippie is where you will probably see angry scene. So. <laughs> Keep your keep your angry timer on for that one. But we're not starting off with NXT. Uh, we're going to start off with something that I was very surprised about. I mentioned that on our show a few weeks ago. I said that I would keep you guys up to date. But then I started watching and I realized this is a much bigger deal. And there's much more that needs to be discussed about this and simply just updating you. So uh, we're going to open up our discussions here wrestling wise. I hope you guys are going to join in with us during this conversation about ring of honor we're going to talk about ring of honor the pure title tournament this is a very important tournament for a lot of reasons i already ran them down i'm not going to bore you guys to death with it because we have so much we need to talk about as far as the actual show but what i did as part of the homework assignment this is something i would normally do to myself but since dave wants to uh, join in on the suffering i sent him all of the fight tv links that were shared on the orsini's uncensored mind facebook page for those of you who have not gotten the chance to see the first round of the tournament, if you don't want to be spoiled about how that goes, you have my permission to, to, to go ahead and exit the video and come back in like 30 minutes. <laughs> if, if you want to see it, if you haven't had a chance to see it, they are for free on fight. I have the links on the official uh, Facebook page. You guys can check them out at your own leisure. But we're going to be talking pretty heavy about that right now because to me, uh, this tournament is very, 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 very important. I already ran down the rules. I already ran down the time limits and the rope breaks and all that stuff. And they played a very, very big role in this tournament. Now, Dave, you like you just said a second ago, 
you haven't seen much wrestling in a while. Mm-mm. Doing this show is going to bring you back into the game a little bit. So this is really, besides for Money in the Bank that we said earlier, this is really your first time seeing wrestling in the no audience era that we've been in. And this particular company, Ring of Honor, they don't have... Well, Money in the Bank was no crowd as well. No, no, I said aside from Money in the Bank, but this is, you know, Ring of Honor doesn't have Thunderdome cash. You know, they don't have the ability to give epileptic seizures on camera. They have to go with a legit empty gymnasium and, and straight up professional wrestling. What was your impression of the well presentation? The way that it looked, the way the vibe, did the no audience kill your I'm interest? glad you set it up the way that you did because it flows into each other. Because when I started watching that, um, something dawned to me about football. And I was asking myself a question, and we'll get into that later. But so we'll start from here, but you have it in a good order. Um, it was it wasn't bad. Like I because of money in the bank, I was anticipating it being kind of dull. So I'm not really looking at the it sucks because like I don't know a lot of these wrestlers. So I was very interested in seeing the new gimmicks and seeing well to me new gimmicks and storylines and you know the way people talk on the microphone is very interesting. Um so I was looking forward to that um, and focusing on that. So going into this, I really was just trying to see the matches. Now, when it came to this show, uh, I was very impressed at first because when I watched WWE, it was very awkward because I guess they were told to uh, work crowd. business as usual. Yeah, so, I know there's no crowd, but work it. God, in. I commend them for really going out there and just that that was it's so awkward, but. They did their job here. They didn't really do that. They built the, it. felt like they built the show around, which it, I don't understand why everybody would do it, but they built the show around the fact that there's no crowd. So they started with someone not in the ring, just at a desk, talking to the camera. Yeah. Describing the show. I think the first piece each, said, Corona guys, there's nobody here <laughs> before, before each match. I mean, they, they, describe the the wrestlers what they do where they came from like it was really good especially this was actually a really good start to come back to wrestling especially ROH because when it comes to ROH in general uh whether it be back in the day and today I don't I've never really watched you were in the punk era because I was showing you stuff from back then yeah and that was just you showing me like not even like full matches just clips and like little things here and there that same music video that I played for you every day you know, over, <laughs> which I still play for now for my son. <laughs> no, yeah. So no, it was it was really good. It was really good, really good to come back to. Um, it makes it really tough to go. I have to start seeing what WWE is doing. Um, but if it's anything like what NXT is doing, and we'll get to that. Yeah, it's it looking is, really good. It isn't anything like NXT. Doing. All right, spoiler alert. It's not. <laughs> it is. I'm gonna. I've wasted yet enough of your time with all this stuff. I'll go ahead and give you the the, the red light on that. It ain't the same. <laughs> uh, but no, that, what are the uh, the first thing that stuck out in my head was when Quinn McKay was like, "Hey guys, uh, the Maryland State Commission is not going to let us have people in here because of the pandemic. We're trying to make sure we have limited staff. It's only the two wrestlers in the ring, and here you go." And then that was it. And I know a lot of the guys that were in this tournament, and I know I've worked with a lot of guys that were in this tournament. And I still love the opening packages because I learned things about those packages. I learned things about guys I already knew mm. from those packages. You know, 
one of the ones that stuck out, uh, hot sauce, Tracy Williams. I worked with him a few years ago and I was ring announcing. So I was getting his information. That's when he hit me with the hot sauce, hot sauce, Tracy Williams. I said, what the hell does that mean? And he was like, ah, that would take way too long to explain. I was like, all right, fuck it. I wasn't trying to waste his fucking time. But now I'm watching this ring of honor deal. And he took the whole five minutes to explain it. And I was like, oh, Makes yeah. sense. Okay. <laughs> Got nothing else to do. Might as well tell that story now. It's, well, that was the whole point of the package is to tell the story. And he said the last two, which was great, because I'm sure when you first hear hot sauce, it's like, what the fuck is that supposed to be? Even the way he, yeah, even the way and I was the first person I thought of. <laughs> I thought basketball. I thought he was going to start yeah, dribbling and crossing yeah. people up in the ring. Yeah, he's just going to break an ankle. That's what he meant. He's going to start tapping. See, this is why I need the headset. I'm not comfortable like this. <laughs> when uh, my brother starts talking, I'll be able to switch it up. I'm not comfortable. I tried. It sounds sexy. I like the way that it sounds. But I move. I talk too much with my hands, and I'm knocking shit over. I'm clumsy over here. But anyway, uh, so the beginning of the tournament here, uh, they explained the rules. Did you understand the rules the way that they explained it to you? Was there clarity? Did you get it? What I pretty much got is that they're trying to get as close to like amateur wrestling as possible for this tournament, basically. Well, See, I'm glad you said it that way because that was my concern. I thought people were going to hear pure championship and it was just going to be straight up Greco-Roman Lufus fucking wrestling. It's just a way of being more creative. It's restrictive. There are certain things you can do and certain things you can't do. Your job as a wrestler is to play within the But I think that's the way it should have went across, though, because that's, I think, the what they were trying to get across. So some of the matches that I saw, you would... I think were that, and then some of them were very, I'll probably say this a lot, like WWE-ish, the way they paced it. Right. Um, and then some of them was really grapple on the ground. So, I don't know. We've got some former WWE guys in this tournament, so they were able mm-hmm. to kind of walk them, walk some of these younger guys through. That was another great thing about this tournament. I liked a nice blend of veterans and younger guys. Like, I don't know how many, I, I love the line. Uh, I don't think you caught, you got a chance to see it. It was uh, PJ Black and Tony Deppin, which was like the last match. It was the eighth match. Right. And, unfortunately, I did, the, for ROH, unfortunately, I did not get through all of them. I got right. through about five of the matches. Because you got shit to do. That's what I'm saying. It's a homework, it was a homework designer. But I was giggling my ass off because uh, Tony, Tony Deppin was the first guy to speak in his package. Mm. He was talking about how he was putting PJ Black over. And for those of you who don't know, PJ Black is formerly Justin Gabriel of the WWE, of the Nexus. And so obviously he's a worldwide known guy. According to him, 64 countries. He's performed all over the world, which is all great. And he was putting the guy over. And then when it flipped and PJ Black was talking about himself and now it was time to put over his opponent, he goes, I... He goes, I normally I you know try to do some research on my opponents. I, I googled Tony Deppin and I couldn't find anything about him. So I was like, oh my God, he was ungoogleable. That's not good. He that's not a good way to put a guy over. He couldn't be Googled. I was like, oh no. <laughs> and I've worked with Tony Deppin a bunch, and I was like, oh geez. Uh in the chat here, uh the guy you got you got people arguing because they're like, yeah, the main roster is not very entertaining at all. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. It's one of those. It feels like it's one of those things now where you just kind of watch to stay updated and then you just move on. Yeah. From what I'm getting, whole grain ass. Uh, pure. Uh, wait, is pure over the top rope DQs? LOL. Yes. Uh, they're going by pure wrestling traditional rules. The only rule that they did not abide by is the two out of three falls for obvious reasons. But for the most part, 
uh, as through as the tournament progressed, they told the story revolving around the rope breaks. So it's not just I'm in a submission hold, I grab the rope so it breaks. There was a moment where Kenny King lost a rope break simply because he touched it. He was in a submission hole and he was trying to exit the ring. And when he, his back hit the rope, it counted as a rope break. Because for those of you who don't know the rules, any contact with the rope should be breaking the hole. Which is another reason why I love this tournament. Because there's a lot of people asking questions. Hold the fuck up. Like, I don't understand. Like, there was a, a, a an argument where somebody threw a right hand and there was no rope there was no warning for the close fist and then the same match he threw the same right hand but they took a point i mean they gave him the warning for the close fist mm-hmm. that's the storytelling that we're talking about the whole purpose of this match is, is to get you so wrapped up that even a punch to the face is going to get you heat going to get you a pop so i that lo- led to some funny moments <laughs> it did it, it like <laughs> yeah, what was the funny moment it's just the, the open hand thing. There was a there was a oh, the one box. of the matches where they were you know how they do the punches back and forth where someone decided they thought it would be a good idea to do it with slaps. Open it and the commentators trying to cover it up there. Open hands. They're legal. They're open hands. I think it was Grisham and um I have it in front of you. Hold on. It was Grisham and uh Yuda. There it is. I think they had did it at one point because uh Yuda got a cheap shot on Grisham. I think the referee or whatever it was, he gave him the uh, the closed fist, and the referee was talking to him. And then Grisham, they had to separate the two. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was a moment there. <laughs> but uh, Jay Lethal and uh, Dalton Castle, I said on the show a few weeks ago, the only two members of the tournament who are former world champions, ironically enough, meeting in the first round. And uh, Jay Lethal, the only member of, of the tournament who's been a champion before, which I thought was beautiful in the storytelling of him because they specified how long he's been with Ring of Honor. Mm. But they still managed to avoid using the word old because he is the old guy now. <laughs> he's literally been with Ring of Honor since the beginning. I don't know, minus his TNA years. Yeah, but he's one of the he, few that I do remember you showing. Like, yeah. way and he's been the pure champion before. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he said, you know, I want to make history. I want to be the only two-time champ, which was nice the way they phrased that as opposed to just, yeah, I'm the old guy. Shadowing. They're pretty much telling you who's going to win this. But that's me not knowing anything about what's going on. Not only does he foreshadow that, but he already picked the final. Remember, he was like, yeah, it's going to be me and Grisham, I'm sure. Yeah. That was... <laughs> and they didn't go too far. Did you get the idea? You know these two guys are tag partners. Yes, I got that. Yep. You did get that. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Paul Green says, yeah, in the old WCW days on Saturday nights. Yeah, they used to do that when um, – when Oli and uh, when uh, Bill Watts, when Oli and Bill Watts were running WCW, that's the earlier days you're talking about when they tried to instill that uh, mid south over the top rope rule. Uh, over the top rope rule would be dope now because it would force people to do something different, which is what I'm trying to fucking get people to do: hmm. do some different shit. Uh, they're having their own conversation about the rules here. Uh, what uh, we don't have to go match for match here. Uh, you didn't catch all of it, so no sense in doing that. I caught well, a lot of the beginning stuff. So cool. So what were some of the standout parts? Well, do you have a particular match where you're like that was well, actually a really good match? The first match um, that was probably the thing I was most familiar with because of Jay Lethal. Like I'm familiar with him. Right. Um, so it was a good match. It's all right. It wasn't like it didn't rock my socks or anything, but. No, it was good. Uh, it was a good story. They both uh, wrestled pretty well. Uh, you can really tell. Oh, that's what I want to do. Explain to me what. So did they just come back 
ROH? Have they been on a break just in general or only a few of them? Because they've mentioned multiple times that both of these guys, yes, that they were like, they had a layoff or something. Yes, like. everyone was on hiatus. The company, this is the this so is ROH the in general. It wasn't yeah, ROH in general was closed. But there were some who traveled still. Yeah, I mean they worked out and they they made a few shots here and there. But indie wrestling was shut. Has been shut down since March. Okay. So when did it start? Doing, Japan. I think Japan started a little. Japan soon. opened up about a month or so ago, about two months, somewhere near the beginning of the summer. Right. Okay. That's I what was, I was a lot of guys you can tell in some of these matches which ones went to Japan and which ones. <laughs> well, a lot of them were, were a lot of the videos they were claiming, oh, we've been in the gym. You know, I haven't taken the pandemic off. I've been, you know, which is so I love the fact that they could even say the fucking word pandemic. I don't know why that's such a big deal for me, but the fact that WWE continues to live in this bubble. Yeah. Like nothing's happening outside of them. One I, of the big takeaways from that match for me was just they just seemed gassed. That's all it was. It was like it could have been so much of a better match if they both weren't standing there multiple times in the match just trying to catch their breath. Uh, more so Jonathan than um, uh, and then Jay. Yeah. Well, Jay and uh, Dalton. You mean more so Dalton? Jol- Dalton Castle is also. Dalton, I'm back. sorry. I apologize. Yeah. Dalton was also coming back from the back. Gassed. Yeah, he's also coming back from a back injury. Yeah, that was another thing I they, he was telling his story about. He seems like a very interesting character. Oh, oh you gotta see the peacock, baby. You gotta see yeah, the peacock. I'll show you the entrance. I'll show you the entrance when this is over. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I can get more of him because he he looks great. He just needs a he just needs a little bit more, a little more, a couple more reps. He seems a little tired, so. Hippie wants to see the old Shy Town Heat uh, scaffold match come back. We tried the scaffolds match in uh, TNA when they had that. What was that? Not Ultimate X, uh, some X variation. We tried that. We almost killed AJ Styles in that. <laughs> so I don't think they're going to be bringing that back anytime soon. James Storm also almost lost his life. So I don't know if we're going to be bringing that back anytime soon. That's the one with the ropes above the ring and an X, right? You got to like climb over. Yeah, but there was no ropes. That's what it was. It was literally just a platform in the shape of an X. With two people just beating the shit out of each other, and one of them, <laughs> and one of them has to take the big bump off of the fucking X. Somebody's got to take it. Yeah, somebody's gonna take. Somebody's gonna take. It. It. You got a fan in the chat, Amanda Conrad says, "Day, what up?" Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Paul Green's upset about the Halloween Havoc uh, announcement. Uh, don't get upset about it yet, Paul Green. They haven't fucked it in oh, the just yet. Just you wait. You got a few more weeks before that rectal exam. Because they brought back Great American Bash, the show was not good. They brought back In Your House, the show was not good. The last, the takeover they were going to talk about here was okay. But I just have a feeling with the theme behind it, it's just not going to be that good. And the fact that it's hosted by Shrati Blackheart, which if you haven't been introduced to that character yet, mm. fucking Christ. Um, not my favorite. Mm. But a hippie says, uh, no, 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 look at that match. That was 30 feet up in the air. That's <laughs> Scaffold is a scaffold, baby. I, the one match, you know me, bro. I, uh, I've been doing, I've been watching, I've been doing wrestling my entire life. If I would do an elimination chamber followed by a Hell in a Cell match before I ever did a fucking scaffold match, like I would do them both consecutively before anyone would be able to convince me. I don't know how many times I've seen the scaffold when people they get on the scaffold and the fucking thing is just. Fucking square. It's because you're pussy, dude. <laughs> you're not willing to die for it. Like, 
how much do you love it? <laughs> you give your life. What were your impressions of Jonathan Grisham, the octopus? I really liked him. I he liked had a little bit of a swag to him, right? I liked him he a lot. Started, I liked the gimmick. Nobody then. I liked the story. Uh, he was he carried that match for me. It was very hard to watch that match, but if it wasn't for him, uh, he made that match good. Um, I did not like Wheeler at all. Nah, it, it was boring if it wasn't for, for Jonathan. That was my okay. takeaway from it. Wasn't big on Wheeler. What was your – I got to get your – tell me you – ending was oh. so weird. What, what were you going to say? I don't know. What was weird about Grisham and Yuta? What was weird about Yuta? You said the ending was weird. Oh, the ending. <laughs> yeah, the ending. I don't know. It was just – like, is that how we finish wrestling matches now? <laughs> he just, like, it was so weird. It was like, it was like he was bullying him. It was like he was a child and he just bullied him. He tapped, he tapped to his knee getting slammed into the ground. I mean, I get it. It, it would hurt, but it was, he tapped to it. I, I just, is that a submission? Well, t- t- the tap is a signaling of, of submission. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You could, yeah. You, could, you could beat someone in submission. Sure. I mean, I guess it's rare, but I I give him credit for thinking outside of the box. At least it was a, it it, it was it, it's it was a, funny the finish that falls flat, especially when there's not people around to really. I think the audience would have killed that match ending because they would have been more confused and excited about the fact that Jonathan Grisham won. They would have been like, okay, all right, almost took his kneecap off. Like, I, I just find it funny because of. I just find it funny because Wheeler was like, oh, you know, he doesn't take me seriously. And I think that's what I have an advantage in. And then you cut, he cut to Jonathan and he's like, yeah, uh, I'm going to take him seriously because, you know, you never know. And then at the end, it's like he bullied him. He just took his knee and slammed it into the ground and he starts screaming and he taps out. I just thought it was just one of the most hilarious finishes I've ever seen. <laughs> Tell me you got a chance to uh, see Delirious. <sighs> <laughs> delirious listen delirious he killed my mojo he really did i was in that's the so when i told you earlier like i was watching a bunch of it and i was like super into it like the stories and like i was really into it it got to his match and i just started to i literally started to fall asleep like his character and it's funny too because when i was looking at the like when i was looking at the like all the wrestlers i was like oh that guy looks pretty cool like his gimmick looked like it might pretty be pretty cool, and then he starts talking. And I'm like, Ugh. well, see, that's the, see, that's where you you caught it at the wrong time because did you did you read the subtitles? He was saying, uh, there's no audience for him to go insane with because it's usually the audience that he goes insane. Yeah, and his energy level goes through the roof, and he's that dude. That, he was actually in Ring of Honor back in the day when I was watching it when we were in the same house. And he was the one that used to sit there all quiet and just, and then the bell would ring and he would go, do the whole deal. Like he, I was part of his whole gimmick or whatever, yeah. but because of the pure championship and because of the no audience, he changed the style a little bit to fit, fit it a little better. I love the subtitles. I can't, dude. I got ADD, dude. I was listening to him and trying to read. I was like, I can't do this, man. My eyes can't focus on this. Cannot do it. 
the match so, was really, really was uh was good though. I I'll tell you what, if anything, Delirious is just shredded out of his goddamn yeah. mind. He's Holy like 90 pounds. God. He hasn't had a carb in like a decade. <laughs> uh I I don't know if I'm spoiling too much here for you, but Delirious is actually the head booker of the company. Oh, really? uh, he's been the booker for Ring of Honor since 2010. Well, that's cool. Uh, for the last 10 years. So he only breaks out the gimmick um, once in a while because he spends most of his time as an executive in the back. So is that known to the camera? That he's the booker now. So, no. But he's something that the, he, on camera, he's well, known as on camera, he's delirious. Okay. But he barely ever brings delirious out because of his role in the back. So, uh, when when matches like or tournaments like this happen or situations like this, because Hunter, well, let me not say okay, I already said it, but mm-hmm. whatever. Delirious, mm-hmm. uh, Delirious spends all day on site, so as part of an agreement with the State Athletic Commission, they had to make sure that they were as short a staff as they possibly could. So obviously that meant that you know he could play both roles here. He could be Delirious for at least one match to get Matt Sadell a quick win and into the tournament and they can have less and less people because he's already in that. If restaurants can be open and have indoor dining with a bunch of people, why can't you just have, aren't they essential workers? Uh, Well, the WWE (laughs) was was told that they are essential workers. See, the way that it's been broken down to me is that independent workers uh, just in general are essential workers, but yet here we are. Uh, Saul says, why is AJ talking like the Sheik? I will go into the Larry Uh Paul Green, 20, <laughs> 20 men each to make it 60. What the fuck are you guys talking about in the chat? Oh, the triple cage. You know, I was never I was never big on the triple cage. I'm going to be honest with you. I was never big on the triple The triple cage looked impressive, right? So it was like this really big cage in the bottom kind of a secondary cage and then like a little boxy one right up top. And they would literally climb through each level and then they would grab whatever. In theory, it sounds terrible. In th- well, <laughs> it does sound possible to work. It's, it's as, as it does match take place. Oh, uh, W7. Yeah, it sounds terrible. This goes way back, right. But this, this, no, no, WWE is doing World War Three. Well, World War Three wasn't triple cage. It was triple rings. They want to do triple rings. That's a, I don't even want them to do triple rings. Let me be honest with you. Triple rings was stupid too. Uh, they could with no crowd take up space. It doesn't they matter have, about the space. They have a hard enough time making the match interesting. With yeah, rings. when they do the double rings for war games, it's kind of a mess. I don't want when you're trash in bed, but you want a threesome. <laughs> yeah, they can't get the two rings fucking correctly. You want a third dick in there trying to figure shit <laughs> out? Oh my god. I don't need three rings in there, bro. Can we get three? Having more than one ring is not gonna solve their creative problem. <laughs> that's not that's like saying that I'm I'm in I'm financially in debt. Let me get another car. That isn't it's not gonna help you at all. Yeah, but if I have the other car, I could drive the more jobs. No, that's not that's not how any of that works. That's, I don't, just, that's just two more rings they get to throw punches in and step back and get on one knee and breathe. Yeah, you know what? WCW had the three rings, and for those of you bringing that up in the chat, what the fuck did WCW even do with those three rings? They put 60 guys in there. Yeah, but it was the same. 
World well, War I was II. very young when this happened, but if I'm not mistaken, the was it two rings or three rings where they had like that was like their Royal Rumble. That was their Royal Rumble. Talking about? Okay. Yeah, it was their Royal Rumble. It's 60 men, 20 men per ring, and there were three rings. And what happens is once one ring cleared out and there was one left, he was free to move to the other ring and compete there. And the competition kept going until eventually one guy was left. So it was like the best of each ring. Yeah, who was like one guy would destroy in one ring and he'd switch over to another ring and then they would just keep going. And they had 60 guys and they had three rings for no fucking reason because the winners of these matches were the guys who were going to win this Macho Man, the Giants, Lex Luger, Scott Hall, the stars. (laughs) We didn't need three rings. We didn't need Juventud Guerrero to get thrown up by Super Porky for us to understand that Macho Man was winning this fucking match. So what's gimmick on the pole match? Gimmick on a pole match is literally as it sounds. It's a fucking pole that's installed to the, one of the ring posts that goes a little higher up with a platform. Think of like a, a cat scratch box, right? It's just a pole and like a little thing, a platform on top, and they normally have a gimmick, an item. So it would be like a cold monitor in the old days. Listen, I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> if they spent more time on their storytelling ability than these weird ass gimmick just give me one ring two dudes and a good story that's all you got to do man i love this tournament so goddamn much to bring it back to what we're talking about because this is the type of goofy shit i'm talking about this is the goofy shit that we're getting on the main roster that's why people are like remember this stipulation you know why they died they weren't good yeah no in our heads you know if you take me back to 1997 Okay, when I was 14 fucking years old. You were nine. Mm. Okay. Right. You were nine. I was 14. The sight of a triple cage is impressive. Mm. As an adult who's worked in a cage, fuck your triple cage. I have no interest in being a part of your triple cage at all. I have worked a cage match. I have called as a commentator a cage match. These things are hard to fucking do, guys. They, they're bringing up all kinds of gimmicks now. Judy Bagwell. Oh, no. That's why I was laughing. <laughs> so do you remember that story or no? Do you no. not remember? Okay, so you remember Buff Bagwell. I know you remember yes. him. Yes. Buff. Mm-hmm. And the girl can't get enough, baby. So Vince Russo thought it would be hilarious if they would bring, because Buff Bagwell's mom used to go to events to watch him perform. Mm-hmm. And she used to crack jokes and shit like that back in the back or whatever. Vince, Vince Russo was like, hey, uh, would you love to do anything on camera? You're hilarious. And she was like, fuck yeah. So they had Buff Bagwell turn babyface and had his mom coming with him to the, to the ring. And that storyline ran for a while. At one point, no lie, this is not even a joke. They won the tag titles together. Okay, this is a thing that happened. <laughs> and then there was a gimmick match that took place where if Buff Bagwell lost, then Mama would have to come off of TV. Right? She'd have to leave WCW. But she's a little on the heftier side. She's thick with two C's, okay? <laughs> so they couldn't put her big ass on a pole. So they took, they put her in a chair and lifted her up in a fucking forklift high into the air like that. And they wrestled the match. That's not safe. That's not no. Safe. Did they have her on a skin or something? <laughs> I, think I think there was. One of those, yeah, one of those wooden skins, yeah. And she was dead ass and she was just sitting there, bro. And her son was wrestling for her life. Oh, yeah, I never when the, a lot of the gimmicks I remember are the ones when I was in. The only ones that kind of made sense to me was the actual cage match. Yeah, the because actual- it was it was kept to the actual ring itself, and the goal is 
I have to escape. That, that, that makes sense, just kind of the way that worked. And then the other one that I really like that I can remember is the, what's it called? The one when they, they're literally strapped to each other. They have that. Oh, the uh, bull rope, Texas bull rope. Yeah, you can't escape. That's just, someone's getting their ass whipped. And that's, that's what I liked about that one. Strapped around with that belt. Oh, we just yeah. had a, a dog collar match on AEW Dynamite. Somebody mentioned that earlier in the chat, and I was saving that for the end. We're going to do a little Q&A deal at the end where you guys are going to be able to ask us random-ass questions and have conversations just like this random-ass conversation we're having, having right now about WCW. All night, baby. Uh, Yasmin comes into the group congratulating uh, on the uh, happy anniversary. Thank you, guys, once again. Three years. Woo, woo. Showing you some love, man. People oh, yeah, there's a lot of love here in the chat. I always get good love. Who would have thunk it? I've had some issues with my phone number. That's why you guys haven't seen it. The Google voice machine has not been cooperating with me as far as lives. We were doing so good when this whole live thing started, and all of a sudden, Google voice has continuously failed me. Uh, another bad idea, the brawl for all. Oh, they're another Sounds just, familiar. Just, that's when all the wrestlers got boxing gloves on and beat the shit out of each other for no reason. Yeah, they're just running down a lot of I understood why wrestling tried so hard so many times to get like tied in with boxing. I never understood. Well, Vince Ru- another Vince Russo thing where they were just like it was it's he's an idiot. And I've had a ch- I've had the privilege of meeting him in real life and he's just as stupid as you guys would assume. So nice. I have I have no fucking ugh. it's always nice uh, confirmation. Yeah. Actually the first time I ever saw him. Not met him, but saw him. You were with me. Uh, that was when we went to a TNA show in uh, Midtown Manhattan. Remember, we were sitting on like what was it, the back row. I went to a TNA show. Yes, you went to a TNA. I don't you got the ring. I took a photo. You're in the photo. That was a TNA show. That was it. Oh, you know why you were confused about that? Because we took a picture with Jeff Hardy and Rob Van Dam. That's Rob Van Dam. And Joe was with us too. That was the first show he has ever been to. I remember that. That was TNA. Yeah, that was TNA. And that was what I was the first time I met. Well, not met. That was the first time I saw Vince Russo. I I didn't get a chance to speak to him, but I did meet him at other shows that I worked in. And yeah, he's just as big an idiot as I, as, as I was told and led to believe. Just as big a just as big a dum dum. So just to run it down real quick for to tie up this little Ring of Honor deal here. Mm. Uh, first round, Jay Lethal defeats Dalton Castle. Jonathan Grisham uh, defeats Wheeler Yuta. David Finley, were you surprised to hear that, that was Fit Finley's son? Uh, I had an idea. Oh, just when you saw Finley, right? Right. I, when when I heard the name, I'm like, "Why does that sound so familiar?" And then when I saw the story, I was like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Yeah, yeah it's a shame. All that wrestling background, and he's still not going to win this tournament. Well, he won the first one, so he, yeah, he defeated well. Rocky Morrell. That I thought was going to be the upset there. Uh, David Finley, who ex- he explained in his own video, he's kind of he was kind of Rocky Romero's young lion in New Japan. Mm. Do you know the new lion, the young lion system in New Japan? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. See, this is going to be great. I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. <laughs> I get to tell you about stuff, and people can hear it for the first time. So, the young lion system in New Japan, it's basically a training system. Is what happens is that you come into their system, you live on site and on premises at the New Japan Dojo. So it's like college. Yeah, but it's you get to ask it. <laughs> it's yeah. not that great. It's called being a freshman in college. In the ring, I stretch <laughs> you. I, we get in the ring. I beat the fuck out hey, of you. Yo, and then you go back to the dojo and you do my laundry. Mm. Make sure that I have my lunch prepared for me. And you do. It's humbling and it's called respect. Mm. And Finley 
was Rocky Romero's young line. So for them to get into this matchup was very interesting. I, I noticed a connection to all all four of these match or all eight of these matches. Yeah, I noticed they were talking about that. He did say that he actually did the laundry of the guy he was wrestling. Yeah. Lethal, Lethal and Castle have a history, and Castle just came off the back injury. That was so, Rocky Rom- Ramiro, right? That Rocky match, Ramiro. That was the one with the that with you were talking the, about. Yeah, with David Finley and Rocky yeah. Romero. Everybody here, everybody here had a connection. I thought the booking was masterful. Lethal and Castle has a history. Castle's coming off the back injury, so who better to protect him in the ring than the most veteran guy they have? Yeah. So that was beautiful. He's not going to make it through the whole tournament. So Yeah, he wasn't going to be able to make it. His back wasn't going to hold It was a good stretch. It was a good warm-up, and he got taken care of. Like you said, they both – according to your eye, they looked gas. I think they just took it slow because of the injury. I could be wrong. Could have been gas, but I just thought maybe they were playing it safe. Mm -hmm. Risham and Yuta – Bored you, but they have had good pa- good matches in the past. Mm-hmm. I guess that was the matchup there. Try to do the over a little bit. Finley and Romero, like we just said, the Young Lions situation. Seidel and Delirious are OGs. These two came up into the system together. Delirious is like, listen, I don't put the gear on often, but if I am, I guess it will be for my best bud. Mm. They went out there and did the damn thing. And, of course, Delirious refuses to win any fucking matches ever in his career. All he does is put people over. Say, man, uh, he's the booker. It's an investment. <laughs> it's an investment. I didn't know he was the booker. Now he's telling me he's a, he's a businessman. He's smart. Match five, Fred Yehi defeating uh, the last man in professional wrestling. Sarah. Yeah, I typed on my notes that match was Jake the Snake versus Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott. That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> Damn. See, there's not a whole lot of wrestling you remember, but Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> oh, God. That guy looked like Zeke. Uh, so I have a story about Fred uh, Yehi. So I worked with him one time in a show in South, was it South Jersey? It was in Jersey. I don't remember exactly where. I actually don't even remember with who. But we, I was ring announcing. So I'm grabbing notes from a whole lot of people. And I get to, to Yehi. And I said, hey, brother, uh, uh, what's your you know, got nickname or hometown or whatever, whatever. He gives me all the information. And that's when he hit me with, Fred uh, Yehi. And I went, oh, thank God you told me that. He was like, why, what's up? Because I was dead ass about to call you Fred Yehi. Yehi. <laughs> I was going to call you Fred Yehi. I thought his name was Yehi. I had said his, I walked into that building. I must have said his name 18 goddamn times. And every time that I said his name, I said Yehi. And nobody fucking corrected me. Now, one time, the booker who put the card together, who was giving me the matches, let me say yee-hee and didn't say shit to me. I think they were setting me up to look like a fool out there. But Fred was like, yeah, Fred yee I'm like, thank God you told me that because you was about to be yee-hee, son. He said, wait, <laughs> like Michael Jackson? Like yee-hee? Like, I was like, yeah. Then you that match to- also had a funny ending. He ended it by stomping his toes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, that combination fucked my head up. I was like, what the fuck is that? But and that was I thought Finley was going to be the upset of the uh, the tournament. That's actually to me the upset of the tournament. Fred Gay had uh, defeating Silas Young, uh, the one young guy that really went over. Uh, Josh Woods defeating Kenny King, and a matchup that was better than I thought it was gonna be. I'm not big on Kenny King. I like Josh Woods, but this setup really fits to his style with the MMA background. Again, I mentioned earlier, hot sauce Tracy Williams. He defeated Russ Taylor. 
I'm glad you didn't get a chance to see this match because Russ Taylor would have put you to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russ Taylor has the personality of a cardboard box. Um, and that's not saying much because if the cardboard box would have been on fire, he would have been more charismatic than Russ Taylor. Right. Russ Taylor had this very Brian Danielson vibe to me, mm-hmm. the style and the, the body, the way that he looked, right. and his upbringing. Now, he told the story about how he was raised as a kid, and I, 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 I swear to God, I almost threw my phone out of anger. Hmm. I was like, please, please pretend this is an opportunity for you. According to the Taylor tape, he debuted in 2004, which means him a 16 a year veteran. Mm. And I know why now I've never heard of him because I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. If a cockroach would have unflipped himself back on oh. his legs, yeah. walked further, and then died again, it would have been more entertaining than listening to Russ Taylor tell his story about his life. <laughs> it was disgusting. I was like, and no disrespect as a person. I don't think he said anything wrong. I'm not trying to shit on him as a human being, but holy fuck was he boring. I felt so bad for Tracy. I've worked for Tracy a thousand times, and, I, and that little bit of personality I saw is just a tip of the iceberg. He's hilarious. He's going to be great. But to be in there with Russ Taylor, I thought to myself, thank God Tracy won too. Because if he would have been a one and done and put over Russ, I would have been pissed. <laughs> and the last match, uh, PJ Black defeating Tony Deppin. Uh, and a good showing by Deppin. A lot of people, like PJ said, we can't even Google this dude. He's he's very he's ungoogleable. He's ungoogleable. Yes, uh, Tony Deppin. He is a talented dude, and I think he's he he needs more body. Mm. I didn't realize oh. how small he was. Yep, I've worked with him a bunch, but he he's always been in shape. But standing next to PJ Black, who's not a big guy, because I've worked with PJ Black as well. He's not a big dude. I think I'm about the same size as him. And Tony Deppin looked like uh, 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 an anorexic next to him. I'm like, okay, we need we need some more body weight on some of these dudes. Yeah, so it was a good tournament. I enjoyed it. Those are going to be. Uh, it was good. Solid. I like what I saw. I'm honestly going to finish the rest of it uh, tonight. Once every once all this is done, I'm going to finish the rest of it because I do want to keep up with the rest of that tournament as well. So, hmm. it is a good tournament. I love it. Everyone seems good. to be having a good time in the chat. They're talking about NWO Blue versus what the fuck are you guys talking about? The rough roll was the end of Bart Gunn's career. Hell yeah. And that, um, be, uh, what was it called again? The documentary series, Dark Side of the Ring. Dark Side of the Ring did Brawl for All and they had Bart Gunn in there telling the story. And he told the story straight up. That tournament was set up for Dr. Death Steve Williams. And when Bart Gunn knocked him out and ruined the whole bracket, it fucked the whole game up. Hmm. Fucked the whole game up. And they were like, all right, well, Bart Gunn won, right? So he's going to face Steve Austin for the title. They're like, nah, fuck all that. Because he was supposed to be Dr. Death. And then he tore his whatever the fuck in his leg, and that was it for him. Saul says, is PCO still on ROH? Um, I think contractually. But remember, Saul, this whole pandemic deal, everyone's fucked up. The only matches that they're running right now are these tournament matches. They're not really running anything else. This so one would imagine that they solely re-signed the people for this tournament and everyone else is still on the well, no one, No one has been unsigned. As of right now, Ring of Honor is honoring all contracts. Even though the performers are not wrestling, they're still being paid. So they okay, have- But what I mean is, I, okay, I guess, I guess I said that wrong, but like the rest, the only one that are active right now. Right. The ones who are in this tournament. In this tournament, correct. Now, now, as, now that the first round is completed... That means moving forward, we'll have less tournament matches. We have four here. We're going to get two more 
Uh, not two more. We have uh, one, two. The matches get longer though, right? Because they're only fifteen minutes. Yes, they will. I believe they're twenty I minutes. No, the finals is an hour. Is that the time limit on that? I believe. Yeah, I think this next round is twenty. Okay. I think that semi, that quarterfinal is going to be thirty. And I think yeah, the final is a sixty minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now they're not Iron Man matches. I was about to say that's if yeah. I'm. If I remember correctly, that's a specific type of match, isn't it? 60 no, 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 no. Time limit is 60 minutes, which means they can go 60 or they can go 45 or they can go 30 or they can go 20. Right. They're not required to go 60. Not required. Now, this is Ring of Honor, so there's a good chance niggas is going to get close. <laughs> 50, 55. got to fill a show. It's just going to be that one match. No, that, that's the thing. I, I was just going to say that with this tournament now, now that the first round of the tournament has been completed, uh, they have room for either fresher faces, mm. like bringing some other guys just to freshen up the television show, mm-hmm. or they can run gauntlet matches with these guys who did lose. You have options now. But right. this program here bought them four weeks of program. I mean, you can't ask for a better situation than what they just went through with this. This was great. Right. It got, it got, we got a bunch of great matches out of it. Mm-hmm. And it gave them consistent television for a few weeks. So I, I put up four links. That's a whole month's worth of programming they got out of the one round of this tournament, right? which was its purpose, to give people an opportunity to watch Ring of Honor again while they still figure out what's next. <clears throat> now, they're located in Maryland, so their state restrictions are obviously far different from everybody else's. The WWE and AEW are based in Florida, hmm. so their restrictions are a lot looser. AEW was already non-existent. Up- yeah, well, AEW is already <laughs> AEW already has uh, uh, fans coming into the building. Uh, it's a limited amount, and they're social distanced, but they are in the building. Right. Uh, this past week, uh, we got to see Chris Jericho's 30th year anniversary. It's been a while since we've heard an audience sing his song, but we got a chance to see it this Wednesday. We're going to be talking about Chris Jericho later on here on the program here. 30 years in the wrestling business. A lot to talk about as far as he goes. I have Melist. Mm. Top 10 favorite matches of Chris Jericho. This was a hard fucking list to put together for me. And I'm sure that there are mis- matches that you guys are going to bring up that uh, may not be on my list. Doesn't mean that they're not that off. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Um, guys, off topic thoughts about the 2020 draft. I have not, I wasn't going to talk about the draft just yet because we have one more night of drafting. They have to draft on Monday. So I'm saving the draft. For next week, Dave, that'll be our next homework assignment. Keep track of. Yeah, they were asking about what you were drinking. I'm paying attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where this stuff came from. Just a quick sidebar. But these, like, water beers are just ridiculous. They taste good, and they'll creep up on you if you drink too many of them. So I was not able to drink anything alcoholic today. <clears throat> I have work to do after. So this is orange juice. Oh, okay. Well, Virgin. I'm debating you drinking with me on the first one, so that's all right. I'm used to disappointment. <laughs> oh boy. So yeah. So um, yeah. So I haven't decided to do anything with the draft just yet because uh, I'm waiting for Monday. We know getting who's getting drafted. Yeah. Well, we have an idea. Uh, but right behind me, I want to bring my attention to the back again. Here again. You know, Dave. Season's getting warmer. Mm. Well, season's getting warmer, and people are gonna have to start changing up their attire. Yeah, they're gonna have to start changing the clothes up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have to start selecting better choices than what they've been choosing. Because you know, if you don't have one of these shirts in your collection, mm. the selection is shitty. 
You need to upgrade with your life. You need some more seamy goodness behind you, guys. Mm. You need to get these shirts. They're on sale. All you need to do is head over to ProWrestlingTees.com backslash A-J-O-U-M. That's very easy to do. I've got a few buddies who have already done it. There's a few of you in the chat that I know would love to get your hands on these silky threads behind me. And I just knocked it over there. And I, well, I took the gray on purpose this time. See how, see how fast they go, guys? I can't even keep them on my screen. That's they're how gone. I hit the camera down. They're not there. They're gone. Hotcakes over here. Get your hands on them. Head over to ProWrestlingTeam.com backslash A-J-O-U-M. Also, real quick, if you can spot the team, let me bring the camera down just a little, just a smidge here. You can spot the team. Don't give them too much for free now. Oh, now hold on, man. Hold on, man. Hi, uh, <laughs> Fine Radio. I'm rocking the shirt. I'm rocking the gear, okay? Hive Mind Radio. You can catch the boys, Stephen James, Danny Axel, over on twitch.tv backslash HM Radio. Hive Mind Radio. The boys are at it again with their musical talents. They are over there talking all kinds of shits. Uh, these guys are fantastic. They're hilarious. I've co-hosted the show during vacation times. Uh, I love listening to it in my mornings. When I'm drinking my coffee and eating my metabolism eggs, as I've been calling them recently, I'm trying to kickstart the metabolism with certain foods. So we're coffee, we're eggs, there's avocados in the fridge. It's a banana. It's, it's a metabolism frenzy. When I kickstart my blood, I listen to the Hive Mind Radio Show when I do it. So when you guys are not listening to me, you should definitely check them out. Is AJ doing a giveaway? Unfortunately, not today. I'm not doing the giveaway today. I'm saving it. Because I still want to do my Jeopardy game. I still want to do my Jeopardy game. I have not given up on the idea of Jeopardy. As a matter of fact, the next time we go live, I think is when I'm going to do my Jeopardy game setup. Uh, I have this website that uh, puts everything together, the questions, the points, all that stuff. I just need you to join in on the live stream and we'll be able to do that. Uh, so until then, your freebies will have to wait, sir. But I will be sending you some free shit as soon as we get started with that. So the next thing on the docket here we're going to talk, I know you guys are going to get really excited about this one because you guys always ask me to do this and I never really do because I don't really spend too much time with NXT. Uh, Start doing it more. This is freaking um, I was trying to hold my excitement for this portion. This (laughs) was really good. NXT TakeOver 31. Uh, let me just start off by saying what I already said earlier, but I need to remind everyone. I have, I have not been happy with takeovers the last few times they've done it. Um, Great American Bash was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. <laughs> there was so much possibility. There were so many good matches where I'm like, here we go. This is going to be great. Adam Cole and Keith Lee delivered, but everything other than that, I was just I was soured by it. When they gave us, uh, I think I'm going in the wrong order here, but even in your house, like I said before, that main event with Io Shirai and uh, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley, when uh, when they when the camera caught that referee stopping Io and it did that timeout, I, I was taken out of it. I haven't been happy with NXT. This particular show, I was a little bit more excited. The matches were a little better, uh, a little stronger here. We opened up with uh, Damian Priest defending his NXT North American Championship against Johnny Gargano for zero reason. It just so happens every time we make a new star, they have to beat Johnny. Uh, and this was the tradition continued on because Johnny went in there and did the J-O-B yet again. 
The guy who refuses to go to the main roster but has really nothing left to do here in NXT. He's I was just, wondering, wasn't he on the main roster? I remember seeing him there. He, Am I going crazy? He made shots. So what happened was is that he made a Royal Rumble appearance. A lot of the NXT guys were on the main roster television leading up to last year's Survivor Series because they were doing a triple brand war. So NXT was invading certain shows and da 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 da. da. So do they see the- NXT as a demotion or a just a different style? It's a different style, and it could be considered a demotion because, as I've been saying on the show literally since episode one, NXT is developmental. You're supposed to leave NXT at some point. <laughs> I get it. He's comfortable. He's the main guy there, or at least Is one of- reason why. why. Do they not because- want to make it a big show? They don't want to compete against themselves. No, because they need a developmental system. They don't have a choice. They didn't have anything like that before, and they, they always have. fine. They- no, 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 not, not at that. this level. No, but see, that's the problem. These are these aren't these dude. These aren't like in-house shows. These are like really good. People are preferring this over the main roster. Yes, never absolutely. had that before. Right, but the people who are preferring this over the main roster are the hardcore wrestling fans that follow these guys to the brand. Gargano was a name before NXT. Trampa was a name before NXT. A lot of stars: Shinsuke, Joe, Steen. You go down the line of NXT's lineage. These were all audience members that they grabbed from the hardcore section. So, yes, they prefer this to, you know, they prefer this style over the main roster brand. But NXT at its apex will draw 0.7, 0.8 in the rating scale and, and will draw close to a million viewers. And that's great. Right. But Raw and SmackDown is the shittiest <laughs> form of wrestling in the world. And they're getting 1.5, 2. Yeah, people exactly that's my point that's why they'll never be a main brand there will always be developmental you have to train your people somewhere and now that nxt is going head to head with if there was no aew nxt would not be on usa wednesday nights Mm -hmm. there's no other reason for it to do that and it wasn't to compete because you're not going to compete you're the developmental brand you get a guy hot on the brand and they leave Mm -hmm. well you build a star and they go to Raw and SmackDown. You build a, no one goes from Raw and SmackDown to NXT. They only come up. The only guy that did that was the occurring that, that main event, though. Yeah. <laughs> NXT champion did it, but I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was by request. Right. I don't know. I don't I personally again, I'm from the outside looking in. You guys are gonna get a lot of casual, unbiased things for me because they're saying in here Saul Saul saying here in the chat I'm wondering why NXT isn't on the draft because they're not a brand yeah but the point is that they should be that's the point they should be shouldn't be they need a developmental they need a place for these people to go to change to the main roster style a lot of these indie people that come off the road but why does it have to be NXT that's the point that was the whole point of its existence and And it blew up they, it blew up against all, all reason and logic. The only reason, right. let's, let's not forget about the fact that this is Triple H's vanity project. Triple H right now gets a lot of praise from people on the internet. 20 years ago, this same day, the same people who are rooting for Triple H hated his guts. Because when Triple H was a performer, he hated the indie guys. He hated. He hated Brian Danielson. He hated CM Punk. He hated Samoa Joe. Yeah, but he's a businessman. He's double. A different. lot of the stars that are here today would have been here ten years ago, mm-hmm. if not for people like Triple H. But now Triple H is out of the ring. 
Now he's trying to prove that he could be just as good behind the scenes as a Vince or a Steph or a Shane. So he went, all of a sudden his tune has changed. He goes, Oh, I have a whole system out here of fully trained athletes. All I need to do is change what they do to what I want them to do. Mm-hmm. And everything will be great. And that's exactly what happened. That's why Shinsuke Nakamura, the king of strong style, doesn't do anything strong style anymore. Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, the list goes on and on, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, all of them who were famous for doing one thing are now on the main roster doing something completely different. And that's how that works. They're a developmental system. If they weren't, if there was no AEW, they wouldn't even be on TV. They would still be on the network doing specials and being content for the website. That's it. There's no other reason. There's people who are on the main roster who want to get the fuck off of the main roster. Well, I get, I get that you wouldn't want to draft for it because people wouldn't want. It's a different style. That people wouldn't want. People who are on the main roster wants to be there and is good on there would not want to go to nxt i get that but it doesn't mean that because you're on nxt that you should be eventually have to leave it could be its own program but that's just my vision but the problem with that is is that when people do leave and you're the only one still there it's an odd look for you yeah but i remember nxt when it started and i've watched those matches and a lot of those guys have gone whether they were successful or not to the main roster i watched it today and it was still an amazing show there's tons of talent out there that isn't ready or made for the main roster and would that gives them a platform where they can double dip. You're going to get the hardcore regardless. They're going to watch SmackDown and they're going to watch Raw. So why not feed them with NXT as well? They're going to watch all of it. So I don't understand why you don't watch all of it. though. That's the problem. That's why one program has this much ratings and the other programs have like this much ratings because appeasing to the audience is great. It's like you're comparing like high school football to the NFL, like it's mainstream. It doesn't mean that people don't like high school football. It right. just means that it's more mainstream. Like a three-year-old kid is going to watch the NFL. He's not going to sit there and watch a high school highlight. Right. But at the same time, in that same time frame, if you had a choice, what's going on on football on Monday, uh, What's what football are you putting on the air Monday at 9 p.m., the NFL game or the high school game, Right. probably going to be the NFL game. If you were, yeah, if, if you're the hottest quarterback in high school and it's time to go to college and you say to your boss, you know, I kind of feel like staying where i'm at right now i'm pretty comfortable no one does that go to fucking college you can't be 45 years old and still quarterbacking your high school team why not go. The best quarterback in the game that's why people were comparing, <laughs> you my post on facebook about finn balor and uh paul blake you ever remember unnecessary roughness mm-hmm. with the quarterback who was like mad old and they were like hey you got one year of eligibility left and he was like 45 playing high playing college football for one more year that's finn balor you know they were like when you, you when you do everything you're supposed to do, you're supposed to move on, mm-hmm. not stay where you are. I now, guess it's just such a good program, and it's it's hard to swallow that because a lot of people would prefer to watch that over the main roster. I know, but here's my problem with it. Not, Ch- but yes, Champa, I understand why he doesn't want to go to the main roster. He's being held together literally by spit and glue. Okay, he's broken everything there is to break. He doesn't want to go on the road. He's already began his career as a trainer at the PC. He's comfortable. And his job on screen is basically just putting guys over and trying to make new stars. He's good. All right, fine. Gargano has no excuse. 
to not go to the damn main roster. His only mm-hmm. real reason is, is he doesn't feel comfortable there because he knows what I know and what people are starting to catch on to. He ain't ready for that. He knows he's not going to make it on the main roster. Mm-hmm. His skill set does not translate well to the main television at all. His current gimmick is him trying to do something wrong, SmackDown-ish, right? Mm-hmm. They do the whole the Gargano way, the home, you know, the home of the Garganos. They do these skits from their kitchen table. And that's them trying to be sports entertainment. Mm-hmm. How that goes. But the way that he was presented originally, just being the wrestler, that's not going to work. You think maybe he's afraid that he, in NXT, he's the star, whereas if he goes to the yeah, main roster, he's not? You just saw this match here with, with Damian Priest. He put him over like a million bucks. Yo, can we talk about this Priest guy? Oh my <laughs> god, dude, that guy is ridiculous. He's way too athletic to be that big. <laughs> he reminds me of Kane, like a better Kane. Yeah, well, he's oh, getting a lot of look dude. people. Uh, god, he's like, insane. Yeah. Triple H and William Regal. AJ, does David know about Hugh Roman? Let me tell you something. Hold on, let me tell you something about Roman Reigns. <laughs> Why I can't sultry to the whole deal, huh? I'm talking all sultry. Let me tell you something. Because I'm trying to drive a point. The tribal chief. <laughs> no, I just I can't stand Roman Reigns, man. I can't. I can't. That whole group. What was that group called again? Fields. Oh my God. Every single one of them. I can't stand them. Can't stand not one of them. Now I know they were like really good in the indies or whatever, from what I hear, but I cannot stand any one of them. Yeah, they're they were when they got here. You know what changed it? NXT. But all right, <laughs> no, you know the main roster changed those guys. That's well, they, they, were, they were they were they were ready for the main roster when they got there because of the way NXT treated. Them. I don't know. Got it done. <laughs> I don't know. NXT don't like is going again. Everything else, basketball, baseball. Yeah, we have to talk about the fiend and his effect because well, we'll get to the fiend in a second. Hold on. Oh, we'll get there. Hold your horses. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. So yeah, Damian Priest. Defending his NXT North American Championship against Johnny Gargano, back and forth matchup, big guy, little guy. They worked, they worked it the way they were going to work it. But it seems like you were impressed with Damian Priest as well. Uh, he was known as Punisher Martinez in Ring of Honor, former Ring of Honor Television Champion. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he was the TV champ when they signed him. They were like, "Hey, we want to give you a, a contract." He's like, "All right, let me get rid of this bullshit ass belt, and I'll come down there and uh, do the damn thing." I hate when champions, when as a wrestler. If you're going to sign with a major company, fucking go for it, man. Make your money. Make your deal. This is what the business is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Don't do it when you're a champion, dude, especially for a company that's already on fucking TV. Uh, that one will always rub me the wrong way. Hey, I don't I don't like when people do that. The Mike, the Mike Austin situation from ECW always, always plays in my head when that happens. I don't like when people do that business-wise. Drop the belt. Do the business and then go make your money. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't need to. You didn't need to, be, need to be in that kind of a rush, you know. But I do love him as a performer. I have a problem with his voice. I know people are like he's got a deep voice, which is nice because there's a lot of squeaky dudes in wrestling right now. But it almost sounds too deep. I don't know. It's so weird. Did you, did you get a chance to hear him speak? I don't remember. I really don't remember. I think they just kind of got to it. I don't. I. This match, out of all of them, was my least favorite. As much as I really liked the match, it was my least favorite. It gave me Rey Mysterio vibes, and I did not like that. 
<laughs> oh, the way that Gargano was doing his. I don't, I do not like the big guy, little guy when it's done like that. If I feel like the big guy is doing all the moves, all the moves for you, just yeah. because either you can't lift them or he's too tall or whatever the case may be, it's just, it, oh, it can be done and it, it gets done, I believe, the next match. No, I said that. I said that when they, when the two people are looking like they're working together, as opposed to he finally got the big man over, or the big man throwing the little guy around. Like if the little it's guy just, does something and the big guy just the move. Like you'll take the gimmick, we'll take the story, take it all out. Just straight based the the actions of the moves. When it looks like the big guy is picking you up to throw him, it just destroys the match for me. I just didn't like it. Uh, Saul, Saul, uh, Saul in the chat says uh, Damian Priest is a high flying Kevin Nash. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, yeah, that dude's if way too big. The moves he was doing was just—I was impressed. I was really impressed. I want to see more of that guy. He was really good. As impressive. He Our next really matchup: Kushida oh defeating God. the Velveteen Dream by submission. I was this not big match. on Kushida for a while. He's a good wrestler. Match. I enjoy him. But that attitude, that aggression that he was showing, loved it. Dude, loved it every bit. Amazing! It was amazing. The the velvet the Velveteen Dream. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that one? He's great. I remember seeing him quite a few times. You showed me a lot of his stuff. Um, Velveteen Dream. Yo, the wife loved that guy. She was screaming at, at the camera the whole time. She loved that guy so much. But that match, when I saw the two again, after the first one, I was like, oh, here we go again. It's a good match. So I anticipate the match being good. But I'm like, oh, here we go again, little now, guy. You haven't been paying attention oh, to the headlines, so I have to update you. Velveteen Dream is on the takeover in a controversial fashion. There are a lot of people calling for his job. Why is this? Because he was sending pee-pee pics to underage girls. Now Ooh, That's awkward. Uh, that's very awkward. Now, Wait a minute. He's straight? <laughs> yeah, he's not gay. He's just charismatic. I don't know if that was weird that that's what I got out of that. But, yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah. So, now, there were allegations. There was a few snapshots that were sent on the internet. There was even an audio clip that was traveling around. There are people saying it was him, people who wasn't him. Long story short, there has been an investigation, and he's been cleared okay. of all allegations. But cleared of what is what people are really arguing about and even though there may be no legal ramifications toward velveteen dream there are some that while he may not have done anything illegal he definitely is a fucking creeper uh because even the shit that uh that did come out there was a lot of it he actually didn't deny not in the sense of anything illegal but like just the way he talks to girls the way he's around people he's a bit of a creep so well, he can be like, a creep, I guess, but like, I mean, the under underage thing is where it just gets nuts. I mean, yeah, that's be like, a creep at all, but it hits a certain level when it's that. Oh, Saul says, uh, uh, don't you mean Doc the Velveteen Dream Brown? <laughs> yeah, so I, I honestly, <laughs> this is gonna sound stupid. I was confused when he came out as Doc Brown, and I was like, I don't understand the connection because he usually does shit like this where he does some sort of gimmick for takeovers. And then I remembered when Kushida came out, I was like, oh, yeah, Kushida does the Back to the Future deal. I was like, okay, all right, now I get it. But people were like, see, Doc Brown was another guy who was meddling around with teenagers when he shouldn't have been in the middle of palace uh, of malls and, and vans and shit. 
yeah. games called Velveteen Dream, the Silver Surfer. <laughs> Great lean muscle. Yo, he went all the way with that. His face and everything was covered in silver, whatever the hell that was. Shit, the Silver Surfer. That's hilarious. So our next match here, singles match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. I'm not even gonna try. Uh, well, no, let me let me try. I'll try. Um, Santos Escobar. Bro, that's the champion. Uh-huh. Now the problem I have is the name, the name of the group. So is Jacqueline Wild and Raul Mendoza. Those were the other two people that were with him. He defeated Isaiah Swerve Scott. Mm. And a banger. What did you think about this one? This one was this, this, this one was really good too. This was really good. If it this was almost my favorite match, but the other one I think is is my favorite. This one, this one was good. They were man, they were just they were going for it. It was high fly, the, the technique, the the wrestling, the speed it was high tempo the whole time. It was a really I didn't I've never seen any of these two people. So they were both luchadors as well. So it oh, showed. Yeah, let me clarify that. Hold on. Oh, I don't know. They said the they that said swerve it. was a luchador they at one point. It. It's a oh, it's a half truth. It's a half truth. So what happened was okay. So Santos Escobar, yes, El Fantasmo, uh, in Mexico, yes, true luchador, luchador legacy, the whole deal, right? He's I think he's El Hijo, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's the son of the original. He comes from the lineage. Swerve Scott <laughs> is a different story. Now, yes, Swerve Scott did technically wrestle under a mask when he was with Lucha Underground. But that was a very small amount of time. I've been working with him for close to a decade, and that motherfucker never wore a mask once. That mask was literally just before he signed to WWE when he was on Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. Got a tryout. Uh, him and AR Fox stole the show in a match. They got tryouts. He got picked. That's just what it is. He's a talented dude. I'm not a big fan of him. Him and I have had our issues. Really? Well, because of personal stuff or? Yeah, yeah. I've talked about it on the show. I'm not afraid to say it. It's all right. All right. But the skill is there. You're still, not a fan, I, but the no, skill is there. I respect him as a performer. Gotcha. You know, he's a, as you can see from the pay-per-view, the guy can go. He's just an asshole. But then again, oh, then again, wrestling is filled with assholes. There's probably a few people who are on this show who would tell you that I'm probably an asshole. Because mm-hmm. when I'm ring announcer or when I'm commentating, I'm, I kind of am an asshole. I'm like, this is to get done right. So that's, it, man. that's what it got to be. Yeah, but the match was, I'm not really, I'm not huge on the cruiserweight style for NXT. It reminds me a lot of what AEW does on their show. But when it's the only match on the card that wrestles like that, it's hot. It's it, it's a breath of needed. When the speed, when it's the only match on the card that has that speed and that synchronization and we're going spot, 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 it stands out. So I had fun watching this one. So this was mm-hmm. good. Um, the next matchup, singles match for the NXT Women's Championship. Did you get a chance to see Io Shirai's fucking entrance, bro? Yeah, it was fine. <laughs> that song was insane. Shit is hot. My son is sick of hearing it. I'll play, <laughs> my, I'll play it on my phone when I'm doing the dishes, and my son won't come in. He'll go, oh, Dad, we talked about this. And I was like, all right, and I turned the fucking song off. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about Yeah, we it. talked about this, Dad. He does the same Jeez. thing now. There's a show on uh, Cartoon Network called Victor and Valentino. And uh, there's this, they're like, it's like a Mexican kids. And the one guy, he t- he talks like this with a voice. So I always say, it's Victor and Valentino. And he goes, Dad, stop, please. What do you know? <laughs> so I'm already driving my son nuts, and he's not even of age to be driven nuts yet. 
Saul so. wants to know if luchador tradition is dead. Uh, it never existed here. Uh, they're doing it for the WWE money. Oh man, we had Max Mini. <laughs> Max Mini, son, you bringing me back? <laughs> um, I know what he means on the technicality. Now, has it because Mexico has unmasked wrestlers in the past before as well, right? Being unmasked, technically speaking, is a part of the tradition because once you lose, that's what you know. That's what the heels are for, right? But in the WWE, they never really considered the mask. They never really considered the tradition. That's why Phantasmo comes out with his mask on, and then he removes it before the match. So he wrestles. That entrance is confusing. Yeah, so... Comes out super Mexican, but the song doesn't, like, match. <laughs> it's so weird. So he comes out with the sombrero and all this shit. He's just Cinco de Mayo the fuck out. Yeah, absolutely. And then he removes everything, and he's just mm-hmm. another Mexican wrestling for the championship. But the WWE never really considered the tradition. It just considered the gimmick, which is the mask. Mm-hmm. So when they hire guys who come from, a, you know, people forget, Dos Caras, Alberto Del Rio was a mask wrestler. And they said, listen, we love your look. We love the way you wrestle. We love the, what you do. That mask has got to fucking go. It seems like unless your name is Rey Mysterio, then you need to fucking get rid of that fucking thing. I think at the beginning they got rid of masks because of Ray, but now they don't really have much of a reason. They don't really have any mask guys, really. I mean, Ray is pretty much retired at this point. It's just Dominic wrestling at this point, so we don't really need him around and being the focal point. They took away Humberto, whatever the fuck his name's mask. They remove every mask. So if you're asking me if the Lutra tradition is dead, it never lived. They never really cared about it here. Um, if they, if you're saying the WWE has thrown dirt on the grave <laughs> of what's left of it, I would actually turn the question back to you, Saul, and ask you, is the tradition alive in Mexico? Because with the talent that's coming out of Mexico now that we've been seeing, like Roosh, who removed his mask in Ring of Honor, Pentagon and, and Ray Phoenix, who... Uh, have created this whole new breakneck style of Lucha Libre. I don't even understand it. Uh, even though my boys, uh, Santana and Ortiz, have literally mastered it and threw, them, threw it back in their face. Uh, the tradition of Mexican wrestling, just in general, I, I beg to ask the question if that even still exists at this point. What are we trying to keep alive? Because masks come off all the time now. Paul Green's asking me if I heard about the Del Rio's, uh, Alberto Del Rio situation. Yes. He's going to jail, folks. <laughs> it's just, oh, yeah? what it's happened? just a matter of how long. What do you do? So Del Rio has a history of being a little bit of a firecracker. A right? He's got a short temper, right? Yeah. Okay. We got a little taste of this when he was with Paige for so long. Mm. But apparently uh, he was in a relationship with some lady that has a, a younger son or whatever. Oh, he and he got, he, he got wind that she was off doing some infidelity shit. And she confronted, he confronted her and verbally assaulted her, then physically assaulted her, then sexually assaulted her. And when she wouldn't do the last one, she kept threatening, he kept threatening to drive his, what was it he said? I'm going to drive your son out to a faraway location and just leave his ass there and come back. Jesus. He went off. And uh, she barely got away with her life, as a matter of fact, the way that she's telling the story and she's trying to leave. San Antonio right they live in San Antonio. She's trying to leave San Antonio right now as we speak. Uh, but he's been arrested, he's been indicted, which means he's going. 
It's just a matter of now how long and to what degree this is going to take place. But the uh, wrestling career and the MMA career, every career in sports that Del Rio has is uh, up in flames right now. It's pretty much done and over with. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Del Rio, uh, have fun, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your fucking life. But we have one more latch left here to talk about. The main event. Finn Bell, uh, the player coach of NXT, uh, defending the NXT championship against Kyle O'Reilly in a banger. Uh, a, it was really good. Uh, it, it felt like a high-profile WWE yeah, main event. A big fight feel to it. Uh, yes. For those of us who are familiar with Kyle O'Reilly's work as a single, this actually wasn't that much of a surprise. Uh, for those people who I'm assuming you'd be in this group of people who weren't really familiar with Kyle as a single, uh, this was a, a a breath of fresh air here. This was a different style of match. I loved this match. I loved the way it was executed. This was brisk. It was strong. No dives to the outside. Uh, nothing off the top rope. Straight up professional wrestling match. Mm -hmm. is an example to all you idiots out there who keep telling me that I'm an asshole for not digging on the Young Bucks shit, uh, that, uh, that that style is dead, AJ. No, it ain't. They just showed it to you here. What? Actual it, wrestling? Actual wrestling. I've actual been, wrestling is dead. They said actual wrestling is dead. Who says? Why, they, why are they watching them? <laughs> we watch what? it for the other style. The flips and the jumps and the young bucks with the melter drivers and the flippies and the dick grabbing and all the other shit. The dick doing. grabbing, Jesus. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I get I I get shit for it all the time. I'm like a mini cornet. I get heat just for saying I don't like it. Not because and not because I dislike the people because I've worked with all of them. And I enjoy their work when they do it right. I enjoy it. And this match was really just evidence. Good. It was such. This a match man. was just evidence right here. Uh, that this was a whole other level. And it gives you an idea. Adam Cole is a great wrestler. Adam Cole can do this. But it's not what they're asking him to do here. And when Adam Cole faced Finn Balor for the world title, that's the match that you got. And here's the next match with Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly. And it was two completely different matches. Mm. And so, and they're both good. So Finn Balor at the end of it was giving the comment saying, you know, people were wondering if my current title ring would be nearly as good as the first. I guess everybody got their answer on that. The answer is, yeah, looks like Finn Balor is going to be putting out uh, some primetime product. Can we talk about Finn Balor, man? That guy, just every time I hear his name, I just want to cry. It makes me so sad. I swear to God, he's cursed. He's cursed. He's a man who's been given. It's like God said, here, kid, I'm going to give you all the athletic ability in the world. You have everything you need to succeed, except I'm just going to fill your body with paper bones and you're just going to constantly only break when it counts. Because he can go three years and not oh, a whole run until it's his yeah. time. And then the moment, and then the moment yeah. It's like he's how many tournaments has he started for a vacant title? <laughs> well, they haven't vacated the title yet, so I'm going to get to that right now. So, for those of you who didn't find out about it until recently, or probably still haven't heard about it, uh, that match was just as physical as everyone thinks that it was. Kyle walked away uh, with many, 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 many bruises, and he was also bleeding from the mouth. He suffered a laceration inside of his lip. Um, but everything stayed intact. 
Finn, who caught a little bit of the heat, just a small bit, uh, on the Audible. So for those of you who weren't paying attention to the match on a professional level, if you were just enjoying it for what it was, uh, the double stomp, Cube de Gras, was not the finish of that match. Uh, there's a lot of talk right now that he was supposed to end it with his normal finish, which was the 1916, and he did not get a chance to execute it. Instead, he called for the double stomp, and that's the finish that we got. Um, come to find out, the reason why he called the Iggy on that is because he had a broken fucking jaw. Fucking so Ben Fendow has two, fra- uh, two fractures in his jaw. Now, a break, a clean break of the jaw, would, that would be several months. But he's only he's only been diagnosed with two fractures, so they're not going to strip him. They're going to give him time to heal, which is another beautiful part about being in NXT. They don't have to put him on TV every week, mm. and they're going to give him a few weeks to heal and at least get him to the point where he's able to speak. Then he'll be able to cut promos and stuff. But they are still anticipating that he should still be able to go by the next takeover, which I believe is another two or three months from. No, not two or three months. This is October. They're doing Halloween Havoc, but they don't need him for Halloween Havoc. They will need him for Survivor Series. So that's another a month, almost two months from now. He should be ready to go. Now, Dave, you haven't been around for a while. Survivor Series has a whole new format. Survivor Series does triple brand warfare. So every champion for from every brand has mm-hmm. to compete against one another. Like a so, triple threat match? Like a triple threat match. So as an example, right now, the world champions who would main event Survivor Series would be Drew McIntyre as the Raw champion, Roman Reigns as the SmackDown champion, and Finn Balor as the NXT champion. That would be the triple threat. That's what I'm talking about. So like on the secondary level, it would be the Intercontinental champion, which is currently Sami Zayn, the U.S. champion, which would be Bobby Lashley, and the North American champion, which would now be Damian Priest. That would be the. I just thought about that. Lashley and Priest in the same goddamn match. Holy fuck! Very <laughs> good. I, it could be a bit of a stash clash, but Sami Zayn's in there, so you know he's gonna bump around. Hmm. So it could work out that way. The uh, tag team champions right now would be Breeze Dango for NXT, the Street Profits from Raw, and now I'm confused because Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods from New, Day, well, formerly of New Day, since New Day is no longer a thing, they. Uh, they won the SmackDown titles and immediately got drafted to Raw. So when last uh, Monday, the Street Profits are getting drafted to SmackDown, I don't see what the hell happened here. Uh, but I think they are. Street Profits just did a commercial for NASCAR on Fox. <laughs> so they're probably getting switched over to SmackDown. But yeah, that's why I'm not talking about the draft yet because we haven't had all of our drafts yet. So there's no sense in it. But I, I, I liked this match. I was huge on it. Until it was over, and I found out about all the injuries. Now I like it a whole lot less <laughs> because it 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 took. You know, I don't like all the flippy choreography shit. I like something more like this, but this was. You know, they say too much of anything is too much. You know, mm-hmm. even though it was good, it might have been too good. We don't need situations where guys are getting their fucking mouth broken like this on a fucking nightly basis. You know, they don't do matches like this all the time. They saved it for a takeover, but this was a bullshit takeover. Not for nothing. This was takeover 31. This wasn't WrestleMania weekend. This wasn't SummerSlam weekend. This wasn't Survivor Series weekend. This wasn't Royal Rumble weekend. It was just random ass takeover. Yeah, because now that you say that, takeovers are supposed to be before 
Well, that's how they started. Over time, they started doing their own thing because, like you said, NXT is getting more of a following. They were able mm-hmm. to uh, steal a pay-per-view, so to speak, because they're running out of their own buildings. They're not spending any money putting these takeovers You out. didn't pay for NXT, right? You got it with... Part of the network. Okay. And so as long as you came the 999, yeah, you're getting all the stuff. So then, you know, so there's no sense in really putting your people through all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a great, it was a dope match, but uh, I really, you know, we might have to pull back on some of this, guys. Because <laughs> somebody, somebody actually tweeted out to, um, ironically enough, to Chris Jericho. Where they were like, hey, hashtag NXT TakeOver is killing it. Hey, Jericho, uh, take notes. Hashtag Balor versus O'Reilly. And Jericho was like, take notes on what? Beating the shit out of each other and not being able to work for a few months? I'm good. And <laughs> he's right. <laughs> it's like how <laughs> the gall of a human being to tell. Well, fans have listen, you're new to all this, okay? Fans are fucking ridiculous. I'm not new okay? to shit. The fact that anyone has the ball to say take note to, to right, moving on to Chris on. Jericho. <laughs> oh my god, whatever. To Chris Jericho, they People said for a while, dude. Yeah, so actually, we're gonna be talking about Chris Jericho in just a few minutes, but I want to get some of this stuff here in the uh in the chat real quick saw a picture of finn's jaw yeah he released one of the x-rays on his twitter um paul green does mcintyre have a broken jaw supposedly work not a full-on broken jaw um he kicked him pretty he fucked him up pretty good but he didn't break anything he's he'll be good to go uh off topic why is laura sullivan back i thought wwe let him go they never let him go uh they should have let him go but they did not let him go. He's just been dealing with all that mental health stuff, and he's back now. We'll see how that goes. I just love the fact now, Dave, you don't know much about Laura Sullivan here. Laura Sullivan is a former NXT developmental guy. Mm-hmm. I got called up to the main roster. He was doing some pretty good shit over in NXT. He's a big freaking looking dude. Freak mm-hmm. looking dude. He's like, he had the same under the giant thing, the gigantism, but he had the surgery early. So he's gruffy and he's wide like Andre, but not as tall. Okay. Like normal human height, but he just has that freakish look, that circus freak look to him. Right. And uh, he was doing pretty good. He old school, big man, nothing flashy, all power, the whole deal. Gets to the main roster, has some sort of emotional fit, and he goes home. <laughs> and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, people find a video on him on Pornhub. Uh, out here swinging hammers? Oh, he was swinging hammers with another hammer. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> out here. Okay, well, I mean, it's 2020, bro. You can do whatever you want out here. Long time ago, long time ago, they pulled this one from the depths, and uh, that was another reason I think they kept them off TV for a while. They wanted people to forget. Me mentioning it right now isn't helping, but they were trying to get him to forget. And, uh, that'll help. Him. There were people on social media that were like, "Oh." It's the dude from Pornhub. It's like they remembered all they remember is the gay porn. I'm like, yo, you're this guy's outing mad people. He's probably like, yo, it's that dude from uh, Pornhub. Yeah, how do you know that? <laughs> how you know him? You big fan? Yeah, I saw him fuck a man. He's a great wrestler. <laughs> so yeah, that's why they're like, I thought I'd let him go. No, they didn't let him go. Saul says it's Big E's time to shine. Absolutely. I will. will Big E's time yeah, to shine. It's, way, it's been way past. I still say to this day at 35, at WrestleMania 35, uh, the WrestleMania that I went to where Kofi won the title, that should have been how the title reign ended. 
a Biggie swerve. That would have been. I have a theory that Biggie is the nicest human being of all time, and yeah. he just constantly behind the scenes. No, seriously, I have this theory that behind the scenes, he constantly steps out of the way of other people that he should be in the opportunity. But he's like, he's just a super nice guy. I don't know why I get that feeling. It's fantastic. Have you seen him? In, he's been uh, uh, Nettie, uh, Natalia, Nettie mm-hmm. Nightheart. Her mm-hmm. sister has been trying to bang him for years. He won't give up the booty though. He's he's on his king shit. He's not. Nah, nah, nah. I do not poop where I eat. I do not eat where I poop. <laughs> that one together. Saul and Alexander Palgrave here having a whole fucking full on conversation about Biggie. I'm gonna let you guys hash that shit out. <laughs> Man, dude. Yeah. So the new day was officially split. Uh, Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston will be going to Raw. Biggie will stay on SmackDown. Not only is Biggie getting an opportunity to be single, but he's doing it on the on the A show right now. SmackDown is the better of the two brands. If you're gonna watch any main roster stuff, SmackDown is the show to watch. They've got their storylines together. Roman Reigns and Jay Uso right now have me in goosebumps. I haven't been excited about Roman Reigns in literally fucking years. Almost close. I mean, what 2012, 2013 is the last time I really gave a shit about him. Now I I'm hanging on his every word. This deal Roman Reigns has been fantastic and jay uso is showing me something too so i'm really excited about that fantastic you gotta don't, don't pique my interest oh no I, I, i'm peeking you know how much i hate him <laughs> they give him a chance this time around i'm gonna have to but this is I, that heel roman now i'm telling you his promos everything is different they need to change his music they finally got rid of the vest they got rid of the stupid shield outfit finally to get, change the music, we're good to go. I'm on board. Wanted to make him seen us so bad. <laughs> but he is now. He oh, is. Saul so says Lars Sullivan is going to be the new Gene Snitsky. Wow. It wasn't his fault, though. It wasn't his fault. Jericho just got his ass beat on his appreciation episode by Luther in the main event on the basis of the supposed rivalry they've had that's played no part in his 25 year TV career. I mean, he could take some note. <laughs> James, I can't even I can't even disagree with you. I don't understand. I can't defend that Luther shit. I can't. Jericho sold this motherfucker, Luther, the guy that nobody fucking knows. Nobody. A guy that I'm sure he fucking forgot about. Because the last time he seen this motherfucker was 1996. He he wrestled this motherfucker like one or two times back in 1992. Mm. And they traveled a few roads together when Jericho was in Japan. But as soon as he came to the States, who the fuck was this guy? He didn't fucking know this guy. But here we are, AEW Dynamite. We're doing 30 years of Jericho. And this motherfucker was putting the shine on this guy. Like he was like he was Tanahashi or Okada or something. Like he was the fucking champ. Like, you know, we've been feuding for three decades. It was like, what? Maybe he sees something, man. Maybe. He was like, oh, Luther being in AEW is not a handout. It's not a favor for me. Right. Sure it isn't. Okay. 30 years. I still say to this day, 30 years in the wrestling business, Jericho should have been wrestling John Moxley for the AEW championship. In a losing effort, Mox goes over because they still got plans for Mox. But Jericho should have been in the main event uh, for the world title. 30-year anniversary, not in a fucking tag match with two guys no one's even heard of. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, maybe James is right. Maybe he should have took, took some notes. 
Man, oh, I would have taken that match if Jericho would have fucked him up. <laughs> if Jericho he's, he's, he's just he's doing it right now at the level he's doing it, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, he still can put on great matches. That was such a waste for his 30th. Event. I don't understand. That Not guy could leave the day and come back next year and it would explode. <laughs> WWE needs to fire Woods. Didn't like him in TNA and don't like him in WWE. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that. Woods is awesome. I love Xavier Woods. Yeah, I was going to say Big E's probably going to get a push. Hopefully, I'm just guessing this is from someone who knows nothing at all. Big E's going to get the push. Um, Kofi will coast. And Woods is going to be out of here soon. Uh, Kofi's going to is damn near in retirement at this point. He got his WWE championship. That's it. I mean, that's all he needed. Yeah, he's going to coast, and Woods is going to be out of here because without the other two, I don't think Woods is Deep. anything. Paul Green's peeking at you too, Dave. It's great stuff. His promo work is amazing right now. Roman's pro Roman right now. I'm telling you, Roman. Right, you guys are selling. I'm going to give him a chance, folks. You got to watch it for me. <laughs> got to go back. I'm going to give him a few episodes, and if he's the same thing, I'm going to come on. I'm going to make a whole segment about how annoying <laughs> this dude is. Hit the record button on this. This is why I hate Roman Reigns. Yep, I'm going to pre-record <laughs> something. You know, going back in here after Hell in a Cell, slow burn, smart idea. They put Roman with Paul Heyman. Uh, Sultan says, I'm calling it Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania. I was never on board for that match until now. Sounds disgusting. Not, but now I'm for it. Heal Roman the way he's been doing it now would work. It, it would be a perfect fit for Babyface Rock. Perfect. The way that he's been doing it would be absolutely perfect. Yeah, you guys are hard selling this. I'm man. telling you, you got to give it. Oh, a my God. We're going to go into our last segment here. Uh, we're actually over on time, but that's all right. You guys are going to ride with us here for a little while. Uh, we just talked about announcers. It's the perfect segue. Chris Jericho spending 30 years in the industry. A lot of people throw the word goat around for this guy. Greatest goat? of all time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, longevity. I'll, you know, he's got a long career, quality matches, quality feuds, title reigns up the wazoo uh, he's he's in the conversation for sure <laughs> he's, he's in the conversation as one of the greatest uh wrestlers greatest performers whichever way you want to describe it one of the greatest of all time here regardless if you want to say you can't deny he has probably the best wrestling career forget like whether you oh, matches you like a very nice fucking career <laughs> Flair oh, had a very nice career. It's before my time, I guess. So I'll, I'll give you that. But geez, there was a couple. Of, I mean, he's but he. But that's what I'm saying. This is the level. This is the level. Hogan and Flair. Like this is the level of career that we're talking about. Like this is the room. He's mm. eating at the big table here. He's, Elite. Yeah, he he's regardless of how you feel about Chris Jericho, he's eating at the big table. He's he he's he's with the big boys. And he's having real conversations with real people. Yeah, we're, we're paraphrasing this, but it, does anybody say anything negative about Chris Jericho at all? I don't know. I'm asking. I'm sincerely asking. There's, you know, there's a few negative connotations that come to Jericho. One of which is he plays the veteran card like a goddamn violin. He's a diva. Yeah. But at this point in his age, uh, he admits to it, though. He's like, listen, I like things a certain way. I like performing a certain way, and that's just what it's going to be. Uh, when they were, he did an interview recently when they were talking to him about his match in New Japan with Kenny Omega. 
Uh, and he was telling, he told him, he said, you know, when this match was promoted, people were like, man, is Jericho going to be able to keep up with Kenny Omega? And he was like, why would I keep up with Kenny Omega? I'm Chris Jericho. Omega's <laughs> going to wrestle the match that Chris Jericho wants to have. That's it. Be the end of that. And that's what's going to happen. Meanwhile, Omega was coming off of, I think he was the United States champion at the time, was getting ready to roll in for the IWGP heavyweight title. He was the guy. And Jericho was like, no, no, no. He's wrestling a Chris Jericho match. I'm not, I'm not wrestling a Kenny Omega match. What are you crazy? No, no, no. And so, yeah, he has a little bit of a reputation with that. But at the same time, that diva ness, that cockiness has come through on the other side. This is the same guy that humbled, humbled Brock Lesnar, same guy that humbled Goldberg. This is the same guy that has stood up, uh, you know, and got into a, what was it? The damn near got into a fist fight with Brock Lesnar over opening up Randy Orton on pay per view. So he's used this evil for good on some occasions. So even on the criticism, there's still a side of him where it's like, well, hey, well, it's Chris Jericho. Well, to think for a second that any of those guys think they were wrestling anything other than a Jericho match might be disrespectful. I mean, you can say what you want of his ego, I guess, but you got to respect that. I mean, there's that he's earned all of that. So the fact that you would even think you're wrestling your own match means you're being disrespectful. <laughs> And you don't even deserve the match anymore. I, I always just assume, like, whenever, like, when I started wrestling with the guys and, and we go into a locker room and we have a veteran there that we know we're going against, we, we immediately, like, it's kind of a traditional thing. You walk up to the guy and you just go, you know, what do you want to do? You know, um, basically just letting them know, I'm following whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. You're the veteran here, right? That's it. And there's sometimes where you get real, like, AJ Styles is notorious for this, where he's normally the veteran. But he'll go to the guy and he'll go, what do you do? Like, what, what do you want to do? Like, you know, do you have any special spots or anything like that? And like, that's the good veteran. I'm sure Chris Jericho is a good veteran, but at the same time, I don't think Chris Jericho has ever walked up to a guy and say, hey, what do you want to do? I'm pretty sure Jericho will sit down and, come here, guy, come sit down. Here's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, AJ sounds a good example, but I would imagine, and again, I'm guessing here, but I would imagine that AJ's done that his whole career where he – personalizes every match is what kind of made him so good so being a veteran later on i would imagine that would carry over he, he still does that where he communicates with the other wrestler yeah paul green is asking me in the chat is this the first time both tag champs have been african-american at the same time yes because i'm thinking in my head we haven't had two belts for long so just thinking in my head I can't think of a single time that it's happened that it's gone down like that. So I think, yeah, I think that is a situation we're in. So let me get into my I really like that um, champion thing you were talking about with the three-way. Like every champion has a – not defender belt, but fight the other champions, like a a three-way match. I really like that because um, it really puts uh, focus on the other belts. Remember I used to tell you all the time I hate the fact that it just became about the main belt? Yeah. No other vote really mattered at all to the point where they were kind of like getting rid of them and they weren't even around. So well, they everyone... keep track too at Survivor Series. Hmm? They keep track. So like in that three-way with the Intercontinental title, the U.S. title, and the North American title, right? So let's say Damian Priest wins the match. Mm-hmm. It goes to NXT. And then the next match happens and it's like, okay, Raw won that match, so now Raw gets a point. And at the end of the right. pay-per-view, we have a total score. Right, right. So it's interesting how they've been. I like it. I like it thus far. This year should be interesting. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm gonna, <laughs> Jericho is a mastermind. Saul says Jericho is a mastermind. Always remember that. 
He did put Orange Cassidy over. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. Put over. Okay, let me help you guys with the jargon, okay? Put over means that a program took place, the heel or the veteran, depending on the scenario, worked the program in an effort to make the underdog appear on even level with the veteran. And then when the match took place, the young guy will beat the veteran and will then be then appear to the audience either equal to or no higher level than the veteran that he just beat. That's putting over. Jericho did not put over Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy won a match over Jericho. He didn't get over <laughs> Chris Jericho. If the two of them walk into a room, it's Chris Jericho and the other guy with his hands in his pockets. That hasn't changed. <laughs> Jericho wasted his time. He just wasted three months of his fucking career feeding with the guy who was going to only be over with the same section he was over with before. No new fan, no random casual looked at AEW and saw this guy beat Chris Jericho and say to himself, wow, what a fucking athlete. They saw this guy beat Chris Jericho and they turned the channel and said, fuck this shit and put something else on. They tried. I'll give him credit for trying, but it wasn't going to work. There's only but so... My brother just called him a god a second ago. Maybe Hercules. He's like a demigod. He, he can't cure all ills. <laughs> Some people just can't, you know. Mm. And that's one of those situations. The, the Orange Cassidy gimmick is hilarious. It's a comedy gimmick. It works. It's going to get over with a certain amount of people. That's fantastic. It'll never be over to the casual fan, to the, to the peripheral fan. They're going to look at the guy and just say, that's horseshit. And the fact that Chris Jericho is doing that now makes him look old. Because that's what I got from people who don't watch wrestling and they saw Ars Cassidy and Chris Jericho. And they went, God damn, Jericho just looks horrible in there with this guy. They brought Jericho down. Jericho did not bring him up. And that's <laughs> not how that works. Uh, Saul says, so AJ, since Cody won the TNA, the TNT, excuse me, oof, clarify, the TNT championship, uh, is the open challenge back on AEW? Yes, he said it right after he won. As soon as he won the belt, he said open challenge is back. And that's when Orange Cassidy came out. And Orange Cassidy is will be the number one contender next week. So good luck to Pockets. Uh, Saul said the Lakers are up 30 at half. Paul Green, I don't care about the NBA Finals. We already <laughs> know who was winning the chip when it started. As soon as these motherfuckers went into the bubble, we knew what it was. Stop. There's no... This is like when Infinity War ended and we started going into Endgame. People were like, what a cliffhanger. What a cliffhanger. Everyone who died just got renewed for films, motherfucker. We only got to wait like eight months and they're coming back. What the fuck is this cliffhanger bullshit? We already know. We knew the minute AD got to Los Angeles, it was a done series. So stop hitting me up with these updates. We Send me a snapshot of when LeBron's holding the trophy yet again. Because that, <laughs> that's what we're waiting for. We already know how this is going to go. They go in there against Miami Heat, nigga. There's nobody on the Miami Heat. They're wasting my time. Waste my time. <laughs> Let me get to my Chris Jericho matches. That's more important. Mm. Let's talk about my favorite top 10 Chris Jericho matches. Now, here's the deal. I'm going to be honest with you guys. You're not going to like every single match that I put on here. We did this last time with Triple H uh, when it was the 25th anniversary 
there were matches that I did not include, and we went over all of them, so we'll do it here. Uh, top 10 Chris Jericho matches of all time. I did not limit myself to WWE matches. There's actually, if I'm looking at this, to, 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 two WCW matches, an AEW match, only one that I liked, and one Smoky Mountain Wrestling match. <laughs> from 1994. I had to go looking for it because it's stuck in my head and I wanted to make sure I had the dates. Uh, oh, that just caught my eye. What did he say? James says, love how OC can just get handed a TNT title shot right after Brody killed them in that attempt. Yeah, but AEW, right? That's what they do. The AEW, is not a whole lot of book. So here we go. All right, so number 10, I'm going to start off my list with the AEW match. Chris Jericho versus Adam Page for the AEW world title to crown the first ever AEW champion. That was history. That match stood out to me because that was the best that the new Chris Jericho has looked. He hasn't looked that good since. Uh, this was my last holdout. This was the one match that Jericho had post-WWE where I was like, please, dear God, don't crumble. Don't break anything, please. Mm. Go out there and put the young guy over. He ended up winning the match, which was which we now know business-wise was a fantastic decision. Uh, but it was it was the best he's looked in AEW. He hasn't looked that good since. You look like you were leaning in to say something. No, I'm listening. I'm listening to you. I'm agreeing. So yeah, so Chris Jericho, Adam Page, all out. That's my number ten match on the list. Paul Green says if Jericho versus Malenko, that's that's what I was reading. I was like. <laughs> If Jericho versus Malenko isn't on there, we riot. Okay, I want to see if you riot, Paul Green. Let's see. Number nine. Oh yes, so yeah, that was the birth. That was the birth of Le Champion. You are correct. That was a good moment. That was a good Jericho. <laughs> Number nine. Take you all the way back to WrestleMania 2000. Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, Kurt Angle, triple threat match for both the European and Intercontinental Championships. Jericho's first championship in... No, it wasn't. The Intercontinental title was. So, yeah. So, that was... Uh, I remember that match being heavily... Like, I was... I've never been stiffer in my life than when I heard that that match was happening at left hand. Kurt Angle, Benoit... Kurt Angle, Benoit alone. Benoit, Jericho mm. alone. Jericho, Angle alone. All three... In two fall match, I I that's still to this day one of my. I tend to feel like those triple threat maps like lose a lot of value. But this triple threat match had two falls. This is this is what was so great about this match. Kurt Angle held two belts, the Intercontinental and the European Championship at the same exact time. There would be two pinfalls. So you could win both if you had both. So one belt was up first, and then the second belt was right. after. Right. So, okay, what happened, so what happened was is that he had two belts and the first fall was for the European Championship. Mm. Second fall was for the Intercontinental Championship. So Chris Jericho pinned Benoit and won the European title. Then Jericho, uh, then the other way, Benoit pinned Jericho and won the Intercontinental title. So the match was a banger. Kurt lost two titles. It was never pinned. <laughs> it was hilarious and he threw a big a, a big fit at the end of it it, it was a whole it was a whole thing. 
Uh, Saul says, damn it, Chris Bonnois is a piece of crap. Well, that, I didn't say he was the greatest human being who ever lived. Nigga, I just said he was in the match. I understand that he's not a, everyone's cup of tea, but I'm not going to take away his fucking career. He had a, Jericho had a fucking great match with him. Co- cover your ears because there's one more Benoit in here. So, <laughs> uh, no disrespect to you guys, but I think he should not be mentioned. Well, he's going to be mentioned one more time. So, so cover your ears at a few spots. He's coming up again. Number eight. This is the Smoky Mountain match. Smoky Mountain Wrestling 1994. The Thrill Seekers, the young, buff, blonde studs of Lance Storm and Chris Jericho as their tag team against the Heavenly Bodies, managed by Jim Cornette. And why is that one of my favorite matches? Mm. That match uh, stood out to me even when I was a kid because Jericho wrestled that entire match with a broken arm. The entire match. He broke his arm earlier in the day, went to the hospital, got something done to his arm so that it would be stabilized, went into the ring and wrestled a full-ass match with the heavenly bodies. That man's double tough. Mm. Double tough. Now, the funny part of the story is how he hurt his arms. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know the story, Chris Jericho went to Smoky Mountain with Landstorm, and they were being brought in as young, underdog babyfaces. That's why they were going against the Heavenly Bodies. Heavenly Bodies, the storyline had been that they were fucking with them, beating them up, these young punk kids up from Canada coming down here to, to the South, and they were just fucking them up. So here comes the big show, right? 1994, this is in August. The big blow-off show. The big underdogs, uh, thrill-seekers are going to come up and give the big bad heel their comeuppance. And the show is all set up. Everybody's doing shit. Jericho walks over to Jim Cornette and he says, hey, you mind if I go work out with some of the guys? He said, yeah, just don't get hurt. He said, okay. Mm. So he goes to the ring. And I forgot the name of the dude he was working with. Decides he wants to show Chris Jericho a shooting star press. Chris Jericho has never done a shooting star press. Hasn't done one since. But on this night, he was like, yeah, let's fuck it. Feeling ambitious. He goes in there, gets on top of a rope, does the shooting star press, lands on the mat, breaks his fucking arm. Mm. So Jim's pissed. They send him to the hospital, stabilizes. He's like, you know what? I'm doing this match. Fuck it. Gets in the ring, wrestles the whole goddamn match with a broken arm. It's fantastic. It's poetry. It's poetry. So that match is here. That match is here on the list. This is why I'm never doing this again. The audio is great, but I can't. My hands is too fidgety. Uh, I'm like stressing really hard not to move my fucking hands. Um, (laughs) Easy. Pounded out some rebels before you got out here. Uh, number, uh, I, I got the Parkinson's. Uh, seven <laughs> here. Jericho versus Dean Malenko. Slambury 97. This is the blow off here between Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko. What was it? Uh, Bore Us Malenko. And he was doing the whole deal with uh, twitching gimmicks around, trying to keep Dean away from the belt. Yes, I had to include the feud. It's one of the greats of all time. Uh, Corny was flipping. I remember that match. Yeah, Corny was pretty mad about that shit. Um, But Jericho and Malenko, classic rivalry in WCW. Had to pick one of their matches. This was one of my favorite ones here, Slambury 97. Jericho, this was when Jericho was at his peak of popularity in WCW. When he was uh, just fucking with everybody. It was awesome. Um, Cover your ears, Saul. 
So <laughs> Jericho <laughs> and Benoit against Triple H and Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Raw match in 2001. Uh, this is the match with Triple H tore the quad. Mm. Uh, and Jericho still put his bitch ass in the walls of Jericho. I remember that. And uh, by request, by request, Triple H wanted to finish that matchup. Uh, that match was designed to put those two guys over. And the fact that Triple H did not let a quad injury stop that from happening uh, still amazes me to this day. But Jericho, being the professional, was able to go in there and perform that match without furthering and injuring anyone. The match was a fucking... It was just great. They followed that with TLC4, by the way. That was a crazy few weeks for Jericho and the other guy uh, during the course of that run. But that was another great match that I always think about to this day uh, with Chris Jericho. Always stands out. We have another WCW match. This one's a lot higher on the list because it's one of my favorites of all time. I thought about this match nonstop when it happened. We got to go to my boy, Hoovy. Chris Jericho versus Juventude Guerrera. WCW Super Brawl 8. That is the mask versus title match where we had to unmask that greasy, sneaky Latino Juventude Guerrera. I <laughs> was the commentary at the time. He's so greasy. So greasy because he was always so lotioned up. Hoovy's lotion game is 9,000. To this day, I can't find another guy whose lotion game was so great. I believe I remember vaguely that match. You were watching that one. Yeah, well, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. This I was remember a- exactly where we were. Too. Paperwood. This is well, what <laughs> downstairs, dark room. Uh, I would I would have to um, pretend like I was sleeping because I was supposed to be in bed by the time by the time you watched WCW because you would watch WWE first and then you would watch the replay, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So how that happened. Mm-hmm. They're already throwing matches in the chat, and the two matches that are in the chat are not on the list, and I'll explain why. Uh, actually, I forgot about the one Nancy just posted: uh, Jericho versus Rock versus Taker versus Stone Cold for the undisputed world. That's look at that lineup right there: Jericho, Rock, Taker, Stone Cold. Oof, man, you can't you can't put that match on TV today, boy. It's too much. These fans won't know what to fucking do with all that. Yo, James is popping. Hoobie juice. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hoobie juice. Hoobie juice. Uh, the next match, number three. I went with Chris Jericho versus Landstorm ECW One Night Stand. That was the opener for the greatest WWE pay-per-view to ever exist, and it wasn't even a WWE show. The ECW One Night Stand, as most of you know, my long-term listening fans know, ECW One Night Stand is the one pay-per-view I hold in my heart forever. The greatest pay-per-view I've ever seen in my life. It also helps that I was in a room full of hardcore wrestling fans and inebriated as fuck when it happened. That always makes it better. It was such an experience. Uh, What was this, 05? So I was two years into digging out my wife. It was just a good night overall. Jesus Christ. It was a good time with ECW One Night Stand 2005. That match in particular, too, that was the this is wrestling. That's like, what a great when, And then he came back with the lion heart jacket when he was lion heart, Chris <laughs> Jericho. I fucking nuts. Uh, what a great Jer- it was a great match. They wrestled, they wrestled. It was fantastic. Match number two. This was a sleeper, 
I promise you, I promise none of you had this match even in your heads. But it stood out to me because it was the test. It was the litmus test. This was the match that they did on purpose to see if they really would get behind Chris Jericho. And this is Chris Jericho versus Triple H on Raw, April 17th, 2000. This was the match where Jericho defeated Triple H for the WWE Championship, and it got reversed. Some heel bullshit took place. Triple H grabbed Earl Hebner and forced him to reverse the decision, and they ended up giving the belt back to Triple H. It was all part of the plan. None of it was a shoot, all part of the program. But it was a fantastic test because when Jericho beat him with the line salt and pinned Triple H and won the WWF at the time, WWF championship, that place went absolutely fucking crazy. Mm. That place went nuts. And it was a good it was a good sign. So they built him from there and eventually he would go on to become champion. But that was that was the first night. That was big. I popped hard. I went nuts. I was like, they just fucking pulled the trigger on Jericho on a random ass raw. There was no buildup to it. It was University of Penn State. It was a college town. They were all drunk. And the fucking place went bonkers. If you go to YouTube and you look that exact date up, raw, uh, I put it down so you guys can Google uh, to YouTube it. April 17th, 2000, Jericho, Jericho versus Triple H. One of the loudest reactions Chris Jericho has ever gotten in his fucking career. It was fantastic. It's, it's a memory that stuck with me to this day. And that's why he's number two on the list. Number one, mm. my favorite Chris Jericho match of all time. Saul put in the chat that Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19 was his number one Chris Jericho match. I can agree to a, to a degree. Uh, I love Shawn Michaels and Jericho together, but that wasn't the match for me. It was my favorite match until they did this match. The latter match. No Mercy 2008, Chris Jericho and HBK. All of 2008, these two guys had a war, a rivalry that almost took an eye. It, it almost, <laughs> they, they damaged each other up. This was the latter match where Chris Jericho lost actual teeth. <laughs> uh, it busted his mouth up, and it was for the world title. This was also the match that fucked CM Punk over on his world title ring. Because this was the match where they needed the belt. So they came up with some fuckery to get the belt off of Punk so they could put the title on the line in this ladder match for Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho. It, to me, is Chris Jericho's greatest match. This is when his, uh, his heel work was... Uh, I actually skipped the match. I skipped number six. I'll go back to number six in a second. Let me finish what I'm doing here. Uh, Jericho uh, was... This was the comeback. The second... This was the return. Jericho, this was the heel, the sycophant phase. Where he was talking at all these big letters and talking very slowly in his cadence and promos. Jericho was on top of the world. He had disappeared for literally a, a year or two and came back better than when he was fucking there. As this was it. This match was this match was out of this world. The match that I picked for number six that I forgot was kind of a sleeper match as well. I don't know how many of you remember this. Chris Jericho versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at Backlash 2009 was dope because uh, people most like mostly will point to the WrestleMania match where it was Jericho versus the three legends because that's where the reaction for Steamboat really started because people were like, holy shit, he can move and not kill himself. It was awesome. The Backlash match to me is more important because Steamboat didn't have two other legends to hide behind in that match. It was Jericho, Steamboat, one-on-one, -on -one, one last retirement match 
for Steamboat after having his career taken from him. Very much like the Edge situation and the Daniel Bryan situation. Steve Austin accidentally injured Ricky the Dragon Steamboat way back when in the 90s in WCW in a great legendary career uh, got cut short. So the fact that he was able to do the WrestleMania match and not die was impressive. The fact that he was able to do the match with Jericho, a full-on wrestling singles match at Backlash was super impressive to me. And he was the, the dragon of old, man, those deep arm drags when he was sinking them in on Chris Jericho. Boy, I was like, ooh, I remember Flair's dumbass taking those fucking things over and over and over. It brought back a lot of memories. So those are my top 10 favorite Chris Jericho matches. Uh, James in the chat says, uh, didn't Earl do a fast count or something? Yeah, there was a fast count. I mean, it's no, it's negotiable. If you listen to the count, I mean, you could spin it like a fast count, but he had a really good cadence to that. It was questionable. So Triple H was able to move it around. Yeah, they, they, the, the count uh, followed the, the pushing. Earl and Triple H were doing that spot where, like, Earl, they're arguing, and Triple H shoves Earl heading to the referee, and the referee shoves him back, and there's the whole I'm the referee deal. Well, this time when he shoved Triple H, Jericho rolled him up. And that was when Earl did the one, two, three, like that, boom. And now all of a sudden, Jericho was the new champion and they fucking reversed it, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Saul says, uh, oh, Nancy says, that's my favorite too. Go ahead, Nancy. Saul <laughs> says, uh, Jericho was disrespecting the legend and disrespecting the movie The Wrestler. That's true. He wanted Mickey Rourke involved. Yeah, that's true. So, Dave, any of these uh, matches stand out to you? Any, do you remember most of these, some of these? I remember some of them, but not to the extent obviously that you remember them <laughs> so yes i've seen a lot of these uh matches in passing as you play them and everything like that but that's why i was really quiet this segment because i don't really have much to offer on this one unfortunately i've seen a lot of them but they didn't stick to me i just i remember a lot of the a lot of the stuff like after the whole y2k return that's when i remember it he still has the best de the debut in wrestling history the countdown to Jerick, the countdown to the millennium, and then the pop hit, and then the like the that's what I was current for. Like, I was there, you were dragging that along, they were dragging that along for a while, and you were mad hype, and you had the day on the calendar, and all that crazy stuff. And then it happened, and you made sure you ran through the house and turned all the lights off because you <laughs> so I, that onward is what I remember. So, anything after that, I remember you probably in passing, but not so much. Well, I've I've told the story. The Jericho debut in WWE is my first dirt sheet discovery. It was the first time I ever read something on the internet that came true. Yeah, because I remember you talking about you knew who it was. It yeah, we knew. I knew what it was based you on knew who it was. Yeah, surprised to me because I didn't really. Know. It was the first time that WWE had really let anything like that really slip out. Mm -hmm. And I and I didn't I didn't believe it because you know I didn't want to read stuff. The internet at that time was so. In mm -mm. late 90s, it was like, it was the Wild it West. It was there, but it wasn't like. Not a whole lot of truth for shit going on. It wasn't a thing. Like, it was there. But so, it when it, so when it happened, and they did the whole, uh, you know, they're playing the music, and nobody's really reacting. Everyone's just kind of waiting. And then Jericho hits the screen. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't even see him yet. It just says, well, Jericho. And the fucking people, yeah. And everyone's just going nuts. On TV, the loudest I've ever heard a crowd in my entire life. I can only imagine what that energy felt in the building. Holy crap. 
was probably I, nuts. I've had the privilege, and I think you have too, of being in the building when that fucking guy enters and that reaction. And now I get to see my boys stand next to him with a new song. <laughs> that uh, that 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 lead track that he's coming out to. He's own now he's singing himself to the ring. Somebody said it on YouTube the other day. There was a clip because uh, the last Dynamite show that uh, they not the last, but they did a Dynamite episode on the Jericho's mm-hmm. when he did his cruise, his annual January cruise. They did an episode of AEW on the boat, and somebody was making uh, an observation that because they were singing his song as normal. And they were like, can you imagine being a man so great mm. that there's a whole large audience of fans that paid money to go on a boat mm-hmm. you bought mm. to watch a show that you're helping produce, mm. sing the song that you wrote yep. <laughs> during your entrance in the main event. <laughs> That's God. God. <laughs> Pure greatness. Pure God. Pure greatness. Uh, we're back here. Jericho needs to do DDP yoga again. He needs to lose the dad bod. I don't think that's really up to him at this point. His his at, at some point as you age, you thicken out. I mean, he's fighting against his own genetics at this point. There's not really much he's going to do about that. That's why I, I just hope with all the bumps that he's taking that he's not getting anything like uh, like an appendicitis type deal or anything with his intestines. I don't want him to get like some sort of long-lasting problems from this. Because he's thickening out. James says, yes, best debut ever. Even survived getting bodied by The Rock with that line about Hoobie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sammy Guevara needs to stop singing Jericho's theme. He can't carry a tone. (laughs) I love, I actually, I actually think it's kind of funny when when Sammy does it. Because Sammy, I I know he's, he's intentionally doing it. Uh, to be bad, but I genuinely think he's bad at it, (laughs) which makes it even better. Which makes it even better. So those are my top ten. I have to show my appreciation for Chris Jericho. He's one of the greatest of all time. I have an even more personal thank you for him for taking my two friends under his wing and uh, doing his best to try to get those guys as acclimated to the big screen and the big stage as possible. I don't know if you heard, bro, but uh, we're teasing Santana just had. Five, I'm star, really man. excited to start that. I when I heard when you were telling me that that was starting, I remember being at your place when you were telling me about how that it was going to be a thing. It was being funded. It was happening. Next, you know, I'm driving around. I see posters all over the place. So I'm, I and again, never just really had a chance to watch. So that's the one I'm really looking forward to. Take a look at, yeah. Take a look at it. I'm really looking. How long have they been working now? They just celebrated their one-year anniversary at Dynamite. And what are they actually? No, they're gonna celebrate it in a few days. Their anniversary is October fourteenth. Are they once a week? Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday on TNT. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to start watching that. Set your DVRs, folks. Set your DVRs. <clears throat> yes, uh, Saul had just reminded me we're gonna be ending our show in just a few minutes, but I did promise a little Q and A area. For anybody that wanted to ask us some questions, and Saul has some qu- a question here. The question of the night, will MJF join the inner circle? Hell no. Absolutely not. There is zero need for MJF to be in any fucking stadium. He's got Wardlow. He's good to go. Um, my brother has yet to see AEW, so hopefully as he catches up, he'll get a better sense mm. of what we're talking about here. But the inner circle, I think you know the inner circle. The inner circle is a group led by Chris Jericho. It's Jake Hager, 
no, that we knew as Jack Swagger in WWE. Oh, God. A young guy by the name of Sammy Guevara. You already know Santana and Ortiz. And that's the stable for the most part. It's the five guys right there. So what he's asking is MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who I promise you will be your new favorite wrestler once you see him. Because hmm. he talks that shit. And him and Chris Jericho are talking that shit back and forth. And people are wondering if there's going to be a change in Japan's, if what's going to happen between these two, two top heels beefing with each other at the moment. So that's what he's asking. He's asking if MJF will eventually join Inner Circle. I doubt that very seriously. There's no need for MJF to do that. If he if he does that, he will be just another guy under Jericho, and that's not what they need him to be. Mm-hmm. Is the future of this industry. The man is only 24 years old. He is a prodigy. Prodigy. Jack Swagger. And Jesus Christ. He's, still he's using his real name, Jake Hager. And they're promoting the MMA stuff. You know, he's an undefeated MMA fighter. Undefeated. The man is a beast. Not a pro wrestler with shit, but he can fight. He'll fuck you up. <laughs> he wouldn't say to him. Mad respect for Hager. He's not a good pretend fighter. He's a magnificent real fighter. He will fuck you up for real. I'm not really good I, at pulling these punches. Yeah, I'm not good at pulling punches. I knock bitches out. This is what I do. <laughs> Nancy Allen says, what do you think about Alexa Bliss and the Fiend Bray Wyatt? Love it. Uh, I love the fact that something together now. Yeah, so what happens here? Uh, I'll update you here. So, um, you've seen the fiend, I showed you that mm-hmm. when you came over to the house. So you've seen the fiend. Mm-hmm. So, they've been doing this thing whenever the fiend interacts with someone, they change. I don't know if they've been doing this on purpose or if it's something that just happened to happen in the beginning and they've just been running with it. Mm-hmm. He, faced, he faced Seth Rollins for the title and took him to hell and hell and cell, and Seth Rollins came out of it a heel. Uh, Finn Balor, him and Finn Balor went to war and Finn Balor disappeared from an injury and came back in the NXT all of a sudden. He left the brand all, all together. Uh, same thing with a lot of guys. Every time he gets into a war with a battle with someone, they have a change of attitude or a change of focus mm-hmm. or a change of gimmick or a cha- some sort of change. So anyway, uh, Alexa Bliss is a character that's been pushed to the moon uh, very early on in her career. She's a pint-sized dynamo. This chick is, has won everything. She's the she's actually besides from Bailey now, uh, she's the only woman that's won both the Raw and SmackDown titles and defended them at WrestleMania, both in separate WrestleManias. I mean, she's done it all. Mm-hmm. Um, of, uh, so she spent the last few months tagging with a young lady by the name of uh, Nikki Cross from NXT, getting her over, mm-hmm. giving her the rub, doing the whole tag team deal because she needed a she needed a refresh. She needed a change of pace. Well. Alexa happens to be a huge mark for Harley Quinn, the character. She loves Harley Quinn, one of her favorite comic book characters of all time. Mm. And when she sees Bray Wyatt's fiend, she sees him as kind of like a Joker entity. So why not be the Harley to his Joker, which is what I said a few weeks ago on the show. And so she has been slowly changing because he interacted with her. He gave her the mandible claw, which is like his main move now. And just basically choked her out and she's now been affected but her affected is a little different from all the other ones they changed but they they changed away from him they broke off from him Mm -hmm. she's changing in the sense of kind of going with him she likes being around him she feels fulfilled being around him they're doing like a really deep storyline with this she changed her life and the whole deal and uh, she'll wrestle matches like normal Alexa and then They'll do the light deal with the red light and stuff, and it'll fuck with her head, and she'll just go on a rage, and she just goes nuts and just 
he starts like murdering people and shit. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So there's they've slowly been building the two of them getting together, and then this past week, uh, they finally are side by side now. Right. So she's asking what I thought about the pairing of the two of them together. Okay. I love it. I love I love the two of them. The change of pace. It get, yeah. It allows her to still be relevant yeah. without being in the title race. Yeah, she's in a top program with yes. one of the top guys who's competing for world titles, and yep. she may. Still be a competitor, and I wish they would do that more. Do they do that more? Where the storylines is what's carrying, not necessarily the title. No, we're getting back to that. They should, man. They That's what made wrestling so what, much. Yeah, good. but what happened was they better. started promoting the belts as something important. The problem is, is that they it have thirty important. of them. Right, but the problem is, is you got thirty of them, and and a lot of them don't have storylines attached to them. So that's when they started losing. That's people. gross. But now we're getting back to that. Now we're getting back to that. I'm see. I see that. It's good. So uh, yeah. So I love it. It's changed the pace. She's doing something different. It's a completely different Alexa. It never mind the fact that this is making her way hotter than she was before. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit biased about that because I, I I love my women petite and the fact that she's looking crazy right now. I was like, mm. I told my wife. I said, you got to leave the room for like five minutes. <laughs> Let me get one off. Get one off. Uh, Saul wants to know your thoughts on the Fiend's new uh, new finisher. But I think you were just talking about that, right? Yeah, the mandible. Well, he's been utilizing a mandible slam now. That's what Saul. I I was talking about the mandible. So claw. it's like a choke slam slash like, mandible yeah. claw type deal. He's slamming from the claw now, which gotcha. is, is a little bit more devastating. I think it fits him though. It does fit. It does. The gimmick. Fit. The gimmick is dope. I don't like him choking people out because there it, as a worker as a performer it's hard to come back from being choked out like if you're continuously that's why if you remember if people remember correctly they let mankind choke out a lot of the lower tier guys the jobbers the jabrones mm-hmm. to put the move over the jabrones yeah the jabrones to put the move over mm-hmm. that way when he utilized it against bigger opponents or bigger names the story is them trying to avoid the hole. He's still got it on guys because you still have to use it from time to time. But if everyone notices, eventually started really getting away from it. They didn't really bring it back until Sako came into it and then it just got kind of crazy after that. Right. But add, adding a move to it, the slam portion of it, I think fits him more than the chokehold, to be honest with you. I see him, the chokehold is a slow and steady, I get that, the torture aspect of it, the deepness of it. But if you can choke a nigga out and knock him out at the same time, <laughs> I think that's a better presentation for the guy. Mm. Uh, Saul says, are you guys looking forward to Mox versus the Murder Hawk, Murder Hawk Monster? Uh, that's John Moxley versus Lance Archer next week for the AEW title. Um, no, I'm not really looking forward to it as much for the sake of the Moxley. I love Moxley. I love what he does. I get why people call it the cosplay Austin. But I've this is what Mox has always been, so it's not new to me. So this is him falling in line with what he's always done. I'm not that impressed with Lance Archer. He's a big dude with a good look. I don't like his relationship with Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts is a fantastic promo. I don't think he's a very good manager. Sorry. This is coming from someone who's managing right now as we speak. So I'm not trying to shit on him for any reason. He was very nice to my son many years ago. I think he's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know if I told you that story. Alex and Jake Roberts played together during the show. 
he was playing with my son while I was ring announcing, keeping an eye on him uh, while Steph was paying attention. Good man. Good man. But uh, sorry, Jake, but this doesn't work with you and Archer. It just doesn't. Jake's a great promo, but Jake has to continuously be brought back to the fact that he's talking about somebody else. And it's hard for him. Mm. He's adjusting. He's trying, but it doesn't fit. It's not a natural thing. So I don't like the two. The two of them could potentially have a good match. But remember, folks, we've seen this match before. They even referenced it on the show that Moxley and Archer fought for the uh, New Japan United States Championship not too long ago before the pandemic. And the match is kind of okay. It was all right. It was not really right at home about it. And it was a no DQ match. I don't think this one is. So with rules, I don't know. Might be even worse. So I'm not that excited about it, but we'll see what happens. Uh, James, if we get scum version of Kevin Owens out of this, I'm all here for it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that we might get Kevin Owens as a heel again based on because he's the one currently fucking with the with the fiend. Mm. So if we can get if we can get a a heel a heel Kevin Owens out of this, I'd be for that. Although I'm getting sick of we have a lot of heels in WWE right now. Can I get one fucking baby face? Because Ali just turned heel. Cedric Alexander is turning here. Can we get one baby face to do step up? I don't even know. I just Pick one. Anybody. <laughs> Anyone. Pick one. How about Ricochet? Here's an underdog baby face that we, we should be doing more with. Yes, he's not the greatest promo in the world. I know. You guys saw my opening package. I worked with him. He's got to be able to promo, man. <laughs> That's his only weak part. It's of easy to be a heel and not be able to promo. It's the only weakness in his game. So I think that's the most important part. Yeah, Paul Green. What happened to the other members of Goat? Your tag team. <laughs> wow. Mm. Um, they they just competed for the SWF tag titles yesterday. Um, okay. So officially, officially, we never really broke up as a group. Uh, the Goat, of course, being myself, Ray's Cage and Whiplash, known as the Zoltan. We never broke up as a group. So technically speaking, we are technically still the greatest of all time. But um, Ray's and myself took a back seat. We took a break. Zoltan kept rocking. They're still doing their thing. The pandemic hit us, so everybody stopped. Uh, but as you guys can see from my videos, obviously me and the Rays are back in the game. And we pulled his brother out of mothballs, uh, Murder, now known as Max Mercy. And we're going to be doing the Blood Brother deal. So we're gonna be we're gonna be our own little tag team thing over here, and Zoltan is still doing their thing. Because to them, they're the they're the brothers. We, we're all still family, but uh, sometimes it's good for family to branch out and do some different things and some new things, and that's what we're gonna do. So we haven't technically broken up, but we're kind of doing our own thing right now. So they 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 just competed for tag titles literally yesterday in New Jersey, and I was sitting at home doing schoolwork and making videos for this show. So. We're, we're doing our stuff. We're doing our thing. So what's going on with Hogan? I saw it mentioned a couple of times in the chat. Have you guys heard about the new... I don't know anything about that. New Hogan? What new Hogan? <laughs> I don't know. I saw it mentioned a couple of times. Uh, something is happening with Hogan or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. Let me know in the chat what's going on with Hogan. Saul says you might have a new catchphrase, brother. The J-Brooms. Oh, that's mine. Patent pending. <laughs> Pat Penny. I want to see Jake give a DDT on AEW. There's no reason why he can't. Uh, he's completely healed up from whatever crack did to him back in the day. Uh, whatever. If there's a substance, he snorted it. If there's a substance you could inject, he injected it. Um, there's stories about him oh. drinking 
This story is about him drinking his own pee on the road. Mm. Did you hear that one? I hear he could only do that once. <laughs> no, but after that, there's no nutrition. No, there's, there's people who will actually tell you that uh, he was doing so many drugs back in the day that when he ran out, he would drink his own urine because he knew drugs would be in the urine. This is not let's, even. Let's talk about that for a second. Do you realize? Hold on. Do you realize how strong your urine has to be for you to be an avid drug user and your piss makes you high? <laughs> I got nothing left. Let's really think about that. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, geez. Yeah, he, he was bad for a while there. He was bad. Mm. Uh, 2021 going to be the uh, year of the heels. Yeah, I know. It's just, I need a fucking baby face, please. Well, Ring says he's looking forward to that. I'm assuming he met my tag team princess now, Branch. See, James Branch in the chat here, he's shouting out murder. He, he's gone to war with my boy over here uh, in the ring before. He knows what my man is all about over here. So he knows what damage we about to do to the wrestling scene right now uh, as a tag team. We about to fuck shit up. Cesaro should be faced. Yeah, why not Cesaro? Shinsuke, turn them both fucking face for Christ's sake. Saul says, I heard Scott Hall got in a fight after a digital meet and greet. Unfortunately, Scott fell off the wagon. Yeah, it was bound to happen. Shit happens, you know? I'm not going to go too much on Scott Hall. I've buried his ass enough. I'm good. I'm gonna, I don't need that kind of heat on us. Oh, man. Until he snorted a line of ants, I'm not impressed. Oh, Jesus. Who snorted a line of ants? Oh, my God. Fire ants. You're what next level. That? You're next level. Much respect to that guy. Oh, Jesus. Okay. We ran too long. Way over. We're way over here. So I'm going to go ahead and cut this short, guys. We got I got other shit I have to do tonight. I want to thank all of you for being here tonight for the three anniversary show. Dave, this is your first go around here. With the show, these shows will be a lot shorter for you in the future. <laughs> the live show, I'm, I'm having a blast. I, I'll have, I'll be catching up more. I'll have more input on some of this stuff, so it's yeah, gonna be good. This, man, we're gonna ease into this. We're gonna take our time with this. I'll give you more notes and videos to watch to keep you up to date about what we're talking about. But as you can see, based on some of these chat questions, sometimes. You know, they're asking us questions that aren't on the run sheet. You know, some of this shit just kind of fucking I've been looking for a reason to really start watching this stuff again. And now that I have the time, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. There you go. I want to thank everybody for being a part of uh, the three-year anniversary show. This was a whole lot of fun. We talked a lot about a lot of shit today. I don't even know where to begin with all the shit that we have to break down here. But thank you guys so much for being a part of this entire run the whole three years uh some of you are fairly new so if you get a chance um ajoum.podb.com is where all the episodes are uploaded this right now what we're doing will be uploaded on there tonight uh before i head in i'm going to put that up so you guys uh in case anybody missed it they can go ahead and check it out there thank you guys so much for being a part of this thank you guys for being so vocal and sharing the shit out i got a bunch of shares when this thing went live so thank you guys for being a part of this uh this was a fun time yeah, yeah. It was great. thanks yeah. for all the love i see a lot of love in the chat right now so i appreciate it a lot of love going on for sure for sure so thank you guys for being a part of this man so i'm going to go ahead and sign off with one more little tidbit and for those of you who signed off before i got a chance to say this um a little surprise that I left for the three-year anniversary show. 2020, 
2020 has been a real shit year for a lot of people. <laughs> mm. And the wrestling scene in particular has seen a shutdown. I've never in my life seen wrestling shut down before. This was this was a very unique year, a very scary year. And uh, 2021 hopefully will be a much better, bigger, stronger year for everybody. And 2020 has been shitty for a lot of people, but for me, it was kind of okay. Uh, I got on my feet financially. A lot of stuff was able to... I was able to de-stress a little bit. wasn't going to work as much. <laughs> got a chance to spend time with the family and stuff. So it was, it was kind of an okay year for me. Mm-hmm. But this year has allowed me to do some things behind the scenes that a lot of people don't know about. Uh, a lot of phone calls were made. A lot of emails were sent. A lot of applications were submitted. Um, so I wanted to kind of give, I'm not going to give all the information right now, but I'm definitely going to go ahead and tell all of you that something very, very big is being planned for 2021, something that I'm going to be a part of, something that I've been excited to do for a while, but I've never had the chance because I didn't have the time and the money to put down and invest in what I wanted to. And 2020 has allowed me to do that. So I'm already running myself ragged by going to school. I'm already running myself ragged by doing the podcast. And now I'm going back to wrestling shows and I'm spending time with my family. I'm already being run around like a crazy person. But in 2021, um, without going into too much detail, I will be running again as a promoter. That is something that has been in the works for a while. There are a lot of people who are going to be involved in this process. That's all I can say at this point without showing my hand too much. Mm. But there's going to be some very, very big things. I gave you guys a retrospective of my career at the beginning of this video. Um, because I knew I was going to tie in at the end here. I've done a lot of shit in my career and I've met a lot of people and some of them are the right people. Some of them are the wrong people. And I've been able to decipher between the group, but uh, the biggest year of my wrestling career has not happened yet. Next year, 2021, the plans are already in place. Um, This is going to be the biggest year of my career. So thank you guys for everything you've done for me thus far for everything you've supported me through. And I'm telling you guys, it's going to pay off. I am about to give you guys the best professional wrestling I can possibly give you in the next year, in 2021. I'm going to give you guys the most entertaining fucking shit I can possibly give you with the best talent, with the best storylines and the best shows I can possibly do. And I'm going to do it with some of the best minds in the business. And this is going to be fantastic. So that's just me throwing that out there right now for the big event because uh, it was a three-hour show and everyone's watching. So there it is. This is going to be fantastic. There's a lot of people who are going to be a part of this, and I can't wait to tell you guys more. But I got to I gotta pay for it. I got I to gotta do the moves. Uh, the, thing, the pieces are in place. Now I got to execute. So uh, I'm going to be even fucking busier. So bear with me on that. So we'll do this year the year of execution then. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you guys for downloading. And of course, thank you guys for enjoying. This was episode 163, your anniversary, y'all. Peace. 100 episodes now pay him. And make sure that you buy my husband's t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash A-J-O-U-N. Please, he needs this. Listen to my daddy's show. He's the best, so I don't know.